Welcome, everybody. I'm Val Pancakes, and joining me tonight on the stack, I have the president of wrestling, Mr. Phil Stamper. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me tonight, Mr. Phil Stamper. So um, I put out on Twitter that I was going to be interviewing you to see if anybody had any questions. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions that I received (laughs) was... waiting for it. I'm just like... Okay. So, so why did you pick to be the president of wrestling and why not maybe the governor or the mayor? <laughs> and that was, of course, asked by Mr. Baby Dragon himself, Mr. Aaron Wade. He's called Baby Dragon. Yeah, he's, he's the Baby Dragon. Aaron. I know. I know. Um, but so, uh, Aaron, Aaron is my Florida tag team partner, by the way. Um, and so, one, president is above governor and mayor so that's an easy decision um honestly years uh i'm trying to think how many years ago now like five or six years ago i was at this place in wrestling like i, w- I want to change things up and like let's be realistic about like where i am in my wrestling life and um i i felt like i was transitioning more to more mouthpiece roles more authority roles i was the gm of like five promotions and it was like well i feel like i'm kind of running things um, and in my life outside of wrestling, I had had a job previously where the only description I could give people was like being the mayor of a small town. So it's like, I feel like I really am running stuff. So, okay, I'll be the authority figure and I will be the president of wrestling and embody whatever the hell that's going to take. Okay. Okay. That's acceptable. We'll have to see if Aaron thinks that's acceptable. But As for like mayor and governor like well yeah like i said like president outranks um the mayor like mayor is fair like mayor would be fair governor i don't know like you're in this weird place like yeah president yeah president of wrestling there was way too many many kings like there's been five thousand kings like i don't need to be a king president you're like it's you're the pal yeah yeah like Thank you. That was gonna. That was part of it. I never really got the pow off though. Like it never. Like I never really got that going. Um, even when I started doing like hashtag trust and fill, like I thought like, oh, let me give you a tip. Trust and fill, and no one really got it. I tried that a couple times in a couple promos, and nobody was like picking up on like TIP was trust, trust and it. fill. And it's like I'll just move past that. I'll just keep saying trust and fill because people would say that to me, and I'm like, okay, fine. Fair enough. I trust in Phil, so. Thank you. Um, one of the other kind of questions I got um, was you put together literally like a super badass calendar of, of indie wrestling events. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to do that? And how much time does that take you? Um, what inspired me? I, I, I'm trying to think because I, I I've had a couple different iterations over time. Um, baby Phil, when he got into wrestling, um, not too long after I got into wrestling, I hurt my neck. Um, I, I was still in, I was in college. I slipped on some ice in a parking lot and like landed on the back of my head, screwed my neck up. Um, and I was like, well, I can't do anything for a little while, but I still want to be involved. And so, um, at that time in, at that time in my life and in wrestling, I don't know why I'm using air quotes like this. Um, uh, you know, the internet, the internet was still a burgeoning thing, an idea. And 
the concept of a person in wrestling writing about wrestling was like foreboding. Like the, you would be, you could be in trouble. And all I was doing was putting out events in a particular area. I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. So I was just putting out, here are the events just in Pennsylvania. Here are the revol- results just in Pennsylvania. And even one time I, I, I started to do like rankings and I did it all under a pseudonym. And <laughs> And the level of heat, not even with the rankings, the level of heat that uh, that my pseudonym got for just putting out information about events was insane. So I had to keep that Phil Stamper, who is involved in wrestling, was not Nate Stein, who was just writing about wrestling. Um, and then years later, those two kind of merged because people fa- uh, eventually other people found out. And so like it just became a thing. And so there was a good contingent of people north of the Mason-Dixon line who knew I was Nate Stein and everybody else south of the Mason-Dixon line still knew me as Phil Stamper. And there did the two cross. And then more and more people started to cross. And it, it just worked out that, you know what? It's me. It's just Phil Stamper. I'm the president of wrestling. Um, so that sort of started the path of it. I'd stopped it for a while, came back, did it, stopped for a while, came back and did it. Um, And I'll, I, will, I will never be done. And that's how, in my brain, I have to pause sometimes and think like, Phil, you're just going to miss some things. Um, so if I'm like, actually, um, between the time I got home today from my office job and before the start of the interview, I was like, I have like 30 minutes to kill. So I literally worked on the calendar. It was, I was like, I don't have enough time to start another thing before the interview. So I'll just do this a little bit. Um, if I'm watching TV and just vegging and I'll have my computer out and I'll be working on it. So it's sort of like an ongoing forever thing. Um, I, I don't miss people with intention. Um, it, I, I have had people very upset with me that I have not included them on the list because I was their mechanism for advertising. And I'm like, okay, I shouldn't then pay up. Right, right. That too. I have, I have had people um, like promoters go like, here's all my information. I need you to do press releases for me and all this stuff. And I'm like, Whoa, I do the calendar. I put out the calendar. I have a media contact wrestling media contact list of, I think now I'm at like 525 people. Um, but, and I do mainstream builds for like mainstream media in the particular areas. I'm like, but I don't do that for everybody. Cause that takes specific time to do for just you so I will do the calendar and you will be a part of the calendar. And that's, a, I just do it. People are like, how much do I have to pay to get on it? I'm like, well, how much you want to pay me? But I don't, I don't, I just do it to do it. Um, if you want me to do that for you, pay me to do that. I will gladly do that for you. Um, so I, I will say I have had, oh, this is when I get in trouble. Cause I'm like, I don't want to out anybody for bad, for weird things. Um, a, a, somebody who was contracted uh, to work for a national national television company behind the scenes also was the promoter of a wrestling company and thought I was like purposefully not including them. And I'm like, I've literally included you every event except this, this one time I can go back and I can see that it's, it's certainly not intentional. I have like no ill will towards you. I just honestly, I didn't see it pop up on my feed. I didn't really go look for it. Sorry. Um, and I was like, but you can also send your event information to me. Like, here's my email address, you know, included on whatever press list you have. What press list? It was like, how are you promoting your events? Um, 
that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I, I will I will help with what information I have. But if you're not sending anything to anybody, I can't help you. Um, and you're and you're you're person who works for behind the scenes for a national tele, nationally televised company. So. Yeah, should, should maybe know that. Yeah. Um, and and I have had a couple of those moments and I have had honest conversations with some promoters. I've offered different people like I will I will give you workshops on what to do and and i will help you through what to do i can't i cannot do all of it i would love it if you want to pay me like that that'd be great the the, the second that comes up people like freak out um i mean I, I the amount of promoters who have told me like even when i talk to them about just like doing traditional flyering which by the way is still like a, a proven method of of it working um like i don't have money for that I don't how how do you expect me to run a run an event and advertise? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of what it's a thing. Um, how do you expect to get people there if you don't? <laughs> right. Like, and and I mean, you have to be smart about it. You have, also have to know your market. Each market is a little bit different, and there's ways to do it for free um, as well. Even if you do just have to rely on online, there's ways that you can go beyond just your own social media feeds. And almost, I'm not gonna say every event, but like almost every event I've had or been a part of this year that I've done press for specifically, all but two have had mainstream media coverage. Like the news showed up or the newspaper showed up um, and co and covered it. Some gave, you know, a pre uh, preview, some gave like a review. So you have to put yourself out there in order to be seen and to be heard and all that stuff. So to back up to the wrestling calendar stuff. So yes, it takes a lot of time. Um, I, I ne never feel like I'm, I'm finished. I feel tremendously guilty when somebody's like, Hey, you forgot me. And I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, but I, it's my little part that I've, for what I can do to contribute back to the world of wrestling to be like, Hey, cause for everything I just said, some promoters, ones who promote are really bad at the promoting aspect of of being a promoter and so okay here's a little bit of help for hopefully what i can do now what's what's interesting is that has turned into not just for fans but then wrestlers are using it to find bookings for themselves um which was an unintended consequence of when i started to put together the calendar that was not i did not go into that with intention um so um there are people on a super secret list of of, of hey you know here i'm sending this to you once a week so you have it um just because it, it's it, it's I'm glad it's a helpful tool and that more and more people are starting to utilize it as a helpful tool and use it it sounds kind of like in different ways like I would use it to go to shows but other people might look at it and say I will be in this area on this date and I'm going from one city you know city A to city B the city somewhere in the middle have a show that I can Exactly. Brother, brother, my way on to like, <laughs> I, and I get a lot of that. I get a lot of like, Hey, I'm going to be between Maine and Tennessee on this date. Can what's, what's happening. And I'm like, I used to, because I'm Nuji in my brain and I'd be like, okay, here's the States individually. And I'm like, I'm not doing that now. Like I'm cutting and pasting the screenshot of the promotions <laughs> from that day. Good luck. Like, I just can't, I, I don't have the time. <laughs> Just wash your hands of that and just be like, just, just here. Every now and again, especially when people get a little weird with me about it, I'm like, 
you know, I could just not do this anymore. <laughs> and it's like, have you ever thought about like giving up the wrestling challenge? I have. I'm not gonna lie. I I even one time um, today or. <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe getting ready for this interview and thinking about it. Um, no. um, I mean, I, there was somebody who was looking for an internship and I almost was like, when, when again, baby Phil, when baby Phil was in college and had to do an internship, I worked for a health department and literally put together a listing of community events. It wasn't in the same format, but it was like, I still was kind of pulling together data and I was like, I can totally write this up as an internship for somebody to just help me. Um, and and together with that person, I we probably both would still miss events. Um, I've I have started with the goal in my mind that it will eventually help me at some point, or at least hopefully maybe also help me find bookings. I am keeping an uh, a wrestling contact list now of all these promotions that I put on my calendar. So at present, um, and I've literally added some today. I am at four hundred and seventeen promotions that have appeared on the calendar in the last two months two months yeah different promotions so because then there's promotions that run multiple times there are many more events than just 417 that have happened the last two months um so of just the ones i've captured there's 417 promotions i have in my contact list in the in the in the year it was like something like in the year leading up to uh the pandemic maybe even the first year of the pandemic Oddly enough, that one same promoter was asking me, like, how many people, like, how many promotions do you actually, like, have on there? And I, at that time, uh, it was kept in a different format. But at that time, I was like, I think I counted something like 800 I had been tracking in the course of the year before that. So I feel like I'm only at half capacity right now. <laughs> so there's room to grow. Right. Room to grow. There's more, there's so more out there. How do you find out about these promotions? Do the do the promoters email you and say, "Hey, we have an event on this date. Can you list it on the calendar?" Unfortunately, is it just like do you just have like a Twitter account that just like you just follow like every everything. like indie <laughs> and shindy and and just like hope for the best? Um, I mean, it it starts with well, yes, some people can send me stuff and some people do, but when I say some, I mean like ten. Like it's not like many really are sending me stuff. Um, lately, I've gotten um, a fan who keeps sending me a lot of Ontario events. Um, and if, so if it wasn't for that fan, that one person, there would not be as mi- much coverage of, of events happening in, in like, especially the Toronto area, um, except for the few I would find. Um, a lot of coverage on Facebook, um, like literally one of the ways I do this. Hey, I'm going to type the word wrestling in the search calendar, go click on the event tab and then click dates for the week. And then that's literally how I'm pulling some. Sometimes I'll just type the word wrestling in or indie wrestling or independent wrestling, pro wrestling. See what comes up um, on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, (coughs) I mean, so I just, I dig a little bit, but then there are some promotions that I know like, oh, let me check them out. Like, I'm not going to lie. Now that, that, you know, that one promoter did reach out to me like every now and again, like I literally did this afternoon when I got home and went to his site and found, oh, you're promoting an event that you didn't tell me anything about. It's a couple months away. That's great. Okay, it's on the calendar now. <laughs> but that, then I'm a dummy because, like, there are sometimes the promotions I work for and I'm doing separate press for, I forget to include on the calendar. So it certainly isn't a slight when I'm, I forget someone and don't put them on. Sometimes I just miss it. So 
So no greater conspiracy to keep certain promotions off of the trust in Phil pro wrestling calendar. Exactly. It is all just happenstance. And I do once a week, unless like on my, no. <laughs> right, unless it's not, um, I, do, I do once a week, put it also out on my personal like Facebook page and like, Hey, here's the draft. Send me what you got. Um, and I used to tag like a random collection of like, let's say 30 people a week just to be like, Hey, Facebook doesn't let me tag people anymore <laughs> like that. <laughs> when I send it out and I post it, like I used to do the same thing. Like I'd post like the, the first, however many promotions until I ran out of Facebook text. Facebook doesn't let me do that anymore. So you were being stifled by Facebook? Yeah, pretty much. I have I have been put in Facebook jail so many times because I clicked on too many. I literally clicked on too many pictures. Like, didn't click like. Excuse me? Right. Um, that's a thing? That's a thing. Oh, and I did click like on too many things. And that got me flagged. Because I do, I will, even if I'm not a part of an event, I will, if it's wrestling content, I click like. Like all the time because yeah. it's part of what helps the algorithm out. Like I, and I'm in a, especially like on Facebook and on Twitter, like on, on Facebook, on my personal profile page, I have about 5,000 followers. So that means I boost their view algorithm because somebody with a lot of followers with similar content, liking similar content to theirs. So it, the algorithm is fun, is fun time funny. So it's like, the more you click like on a thing means it's going get, to get exposed that much more because Facebook isn't feeding all of your content to all of your followers. So it's sort of based on whether or not people are clicking and liking it. I know I have a following. Okay, great. So I'll click and like, and especially my friends will start to see that. Not all of them, but some of them. So I do that on my Twitter, which has 10,000 people on it right now. Um, and it's all just to help the, the industry because I just want wrestling. I want wrestling to be better. And part of that better is to just be more exposed in a positive way. Is being more exposed better in wrestling? I said, I said exposed, <laughs> and I was like, the choice of wording I had right in that moment. Let's think about that. <laughs> but, you know, to what you're saying, it's like a lot of people don't know. Like, I didn't know until I did that independent wrestling was like a thing. Yeah. And a thing that I could go to and a thing that was in my city. Like, I think that a lot of people have that similar, like, I didn't know that this was a thing until, until, until I knew. And then, then it's like, I would have missed out on for years. Like, right. What was I thinking? Not going to this. At least, at least that's how I thought when I found out about it. Like, I had no idea that there was like, wrestling companies in Omaha that I could go see, you know, once a month or whatever mm -hmm. until, until I did know. So, um, alongside that, and we kind of touched on it a little bit as you were going through this, but, um, I know that you have, um, worn a lot of hats in wrestling that you've done a great number of things. I was like literal hats. Is this a ball joke? Never would I ever on the bald monkeys, no less. <laughs> never would I ever. I support all hairstyles or non-hairstyles if that's the choice you want to make. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you for saying it was a choice. <laughs> I mean, you could choose to have like a 
Hulk Hogan like back fringe if you wanted. Unfortunately, mine would come out more like the the monk cut, and I, I the like friar monk cut. I didn't want that. Well, not with that attitude. <laughs> wow, Val. I mean, you could make that a whole look. I mean, yeah, it 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 would be a look. I don't know. I mean, nobody else has it that I know of, so it'd be very an individual thing for you to do. A lot of like middle forties actors in the eighties had that look, and I don't think it looked good then. Bring it back! Like when you watch those movies, you're like, "Really? Was that a thought you had? Intentional?" <laughs> no, we all make choices. So, <laughs> but um, like I was kind of saying, I know that you have done a lot and continue to to do a lot in wrestling. So, um. What what roles have you had and what are some of your your favorite roles that you've had and kind of where are you now with what you do for independent wrestling and wrestling? Because you do a, a lot that I don't think people know about. I mean, I, I got into wrestling to be a wrestler. Go figure. Um, I liked being in front of the camera. So, you know, I certainly think that is the, the, the part and role that was for me. Um, and now I've found that I have a voice and that voice has moved into being both an authority figure, um, and as a manager, um, and on commentary. And so I hate ring announcing, like people use me for as a ring announcer and I appreciate when people ask me, I hate ring announcing. Um, cause it's, it's so unappreciated <laughs> in many respects. And, you know, a good ring announcer to me is like, a good front of house manager at a restaurant. Like if there are problems, they're troubleshooting in the moment or they're the one corresponding in the back with the promoter or whatever's happening. Um, and not, a, not enough ring announcers know even that that's a thing. Um, people think that they can just grab a microphone and go. Um, and then it's like, you're given so little credence for like the part that you play that's very important on an event um, because I have seen ring announcers kill a show. Um, like bless him. And he was the, he was the father of a promoter I worked for. Um, there was a, there was an, actually an event near me here in Maryland and, and this promoter's dad filled in and he, uh, we were running the event at a school. He worked at that school, but he got on the mic and talked, read things like, oh, this, like, oh, it was not, it was not strong. It was not a, a very strong appearance. And so it was hard then to like get the crowd into it and excited and to keep them excited. And there's times when you need to like hit a little bit of an interlude and kill time. And not a lot of people can do that. I'm fortunate that I, that I can do a little bit of that. Um, but I don't always like, like that is not the role that I want really for me. Um, and honestly, typically it's also super underpaid. Uh, there's a little bit of that too. Uh, so I, uh, I mean, it's, this, is, this is a job. Like, let's face it. For me, this is a job. This is a job where I also want to be in front of a camera. Um, so those are the un, in front of camera roles. I've also been a ref. Um, behind the scenes, I mean, I have sat there and sold tickets. I've sold food. I've sold merch. I've set up rings and sound and lights and things that I don't know how to do that I've learned how to do. <laughs> um, I, I, when I, I mean, fortunately, not recently, um, but like I used to know HTML. Like, old school web language 
um i i used to when i had my own up for a while like i would make websites in microsoft publisher and convert them to html so i could have a website like super bad and now i know a little bit more i know wordpress and drupal but like that is you know there are better people than me at that and then people also wanted like if you're doing that, oh you need to also be great at graphics work and and in my life outside of wrestling i work for a communications and marketing entity and it's like no you don't need to be that same person for all of it because no um you can hire somebody else to do that right like a lot of people who when they find out that Oh, you've run you run the social media for these companies and you were doing the content of these websites and you're doing all their press work and you're doing this, this, and this. Like, oh well, you must be making all this great money from the world of professional wrestling. And I'm like, Oh, I make a lot of I make good money because I work for a lot of different companies. Not because any one of them <laughs> are like, I mean, let me not well, let me not lie. Revolvers, baby, really well. But <laughs> but not a lot of other places are like at that level. Um and that's why you have revolver as your background. <laughs> Hey, I know, I know where the bread is buttered, and it's you know wrestling revolver. <laughs> um, ain't gonna lie, MCW ain't gonna lie. Like you know, there, there's some great places that are out there. I, I worked for the I worked last was it last weekend the weekend before for um, Central Pennsylvania Slam Fest. This is not a knock on them. They run one event a year. It's an outdoor event at a brewery. It's a hell of a fun time. It's a lot of fun, and it's a lot of friends that I have from like Camp Leap Frog that are a part of this event, and it's like does it pay tremendously financially well no but it's a fun event so i'm like i'm okay with that too like i can enter enter, insert my fun like what else would i have done that weekend if i couldn't have found another event like i would have only had quote unquote had nothing and only had that and it's like i i'm okay to have a little bit of fun once in a while because this is wrestling is a job for me and you know i i I get a little bit annoyed now and again when i hear people say like oh oh you know wrestling your fun thing i'm like I get paid <laughs> like this is part of my life and and a work environment for me. Yes, I try to have fun. Um, I, I have a horrible habit of making work fun and fun into work. And so like <laughs> there needs to be this reciprocal arrangement here. But like wrestling is a job and I'm I'm fortunate that I'm in that the rare percentage of people that can actually pay bills with their wrestling career. Um, I'm very, very fortunate on that. And I know it. I'm very humble at, with a place like Revolver where I'm one of half a dozen people who are are on their events regularly who does not have a television contract. Like, I'm very keenly aware of that and conscious of that. I'm also keenly aware that I walked out there in October when we haven't didn't have an event in two and a half years and was got the loudest response of anybody that evening. Yes, it was to get booed out of the building, but I got the loudest response of the evening. So, like again i know where my bread is buttered and i have you know i know you have to work for it too it didn't like just happen overnight that that was the response i got so indeed (laughs) i think i went a really long circle on that one (laughs) no that's the questions are what you make of them right like i don't i'm never looking for like a specific answer other than whatever you feel comfortable talking about and telling me Zen Val right now, everybody. I I don't Val try Val Zen sounds better. That's like a Superman level name, like Val Zen. Val Zen. Val like Zen. especially if you like like smoosh it together. Val Zen. 
Yeah. Like I'm Jean, a magician. Jean Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very French. Potentially. <laughs> Je parle so, petit français. Ça va? Um, all the French that I know comes from like random bits of movies. That's fair. That's totally so fair. it's probably very specific instances in which they would be useful. I, I regret that I don't know Spanish, but because of my French, when I hear Spanish, I pick up every like 20th word. So like, I can sometimes like, oh, I get it. I know colors and numbers in Spanish, which is very unhelpful to me, generally speaking. Like, okay, I know that you're talking about something that is blue, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm not real bright. So I just let that all just wash over me and hope for the best. Um, so kind of backing it up a bit, mm-hmm. like, oh, like probably decades. Um, what was Wait a, a what do you mean? No, you no, I'm getting there. Now, I'm getting there. Okay. What okay. was a young Phil like? Like, what were you like as a child? See? Oh wow. Oh, okay. Um, I was a precocious young lad. I don't know. Um, <laughs> did you wear a monocle when you say it like that? It sounds like you wore a monocle. Um, nor no, but I wore hair. Um, I had a big curly fro, and like everybody knows me now, like what i was like i had poofy hair um and when it got wet it became real like ringlets but when i let it get dry i was in denial i had curly hair so i tried to always brush it out straight well what happens when you brush out curly hair oh poof. um there there is there is a blackmail picture of me somewhere from a christmas event um that i went to that like i woke up one morning hair like it's bad um <laughs> There's a couple, I want to see it so bad. Probably a couple. Who do, I, who do I need to hit up to make I'm sure this? That, I'm sure there are family members that are like chomping at the bit with blackmail photos. Like I can imagine. I I made the mistake. This uh, all of you like burgeoning and wrestling, like you know, and like you, your fa- your family's like, oh, that's really cool that you do this. If they ever ask you to like sign an autograph that says a thing, like think twice before you do it so i saw uh, one of my cousins now to give context on my dad's side of the family he is one of nine children so i have a lot of aunts and uncles and a lot of cousins um and a lot of like i grew up with like cousins that who people i call cousins that were the children of the my first generation or you know first cousins um and so one of my cousins was like hey phil i want you to sign this and i want you to put like um uh to my favorite cousin phil stamper and i was like okay sure and i did it she has paraded that out as like look what he did (laughs) i'm like one day maybe that'll be worth more than the price of the napkin (laughs) um but like i always think i think i was always sorry my camera's also going a little off focus there we go um I don't know. I, I think I always I, mean, I was I was super serious as a kid, to be honest, like I played and stuff. But like young me, especially once I got into like late single digits and and not even teen yet, I was I was 
my mom used to say I was 40 before I was 12. Like <laughs> I was always super serious. I, I was the oldest of three brothers. I always, you know, tried to take care of them, look out for them. Um, and when I say this next thing, this is not a, a fault of, of any family member, but like my, we were, I was in a military family. My dad was uh, served in the Navy and his career track was not on a boat. And then the Navy realized the career track he was on never went on boat. So they canceled that career track. And so he had to go on boat. And so for his boat tour, like he was gone, gone for the most part from the time I was like 12 to th or like 10 to 13. And not that he was gone forever. And like, he would come back when he could, but when he was on, on boat on tour for six months, like I'm not going to see him until he comes back. Um, and so like, I did a lot to like, okay, my brother, I have to look out for my, my little brothers. Um, and I, I don't mean that uh -huh. in any bad way or, or, or that, but it was like, I be just became super serious Phil and, and if <laughs> that whole thing about like, I make work fun and I make fun work. Like there were, there were times I'd go to work. I mean, I started working at a restaurant when I was like 15 and it was like, okay, we're gonna have fun. And it's like, Phil, this is work. <laughs> like, I know it is. And I never got in like trouble for anything, but then like, I would take it the other direction. Like, okay, well now we have to be super serious and like things are messing up. And like, I don't understand what's taking so long on things. And they were like, oh, Phil's in manager mode. <laughs> and I'm like, so wait a minute. It's either too wrong that I'm playful or it's too wrong that I'm like trying to hold everybody accountable. Like, and so like over time, like late teenage, early adult Phil had to like, how do you navigate these two sides together? Um, and like, but <laughs> this is so bad. Any family member that watches this is going to stab me in the face. Like by the time I became like 18 years old, like, I felt like I was raising my parents um, in, in many respects. And um, a couple of years after that, they got, they divorced. Um, and it was like, I became like their confessor. And so like, I found out about both the relationships my parents were in. And it's like, I never thought I'd have that. <laughs> like, am I really having this conversation in my life? Um, like, and now you both need to pay me for the therapy session. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> there, there was a time when I first went to college, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a counselor. And then I was like, I don't think I'm at a place where I should be doing that. And then like, I ended up in a career track that like, for the most part, I was basically doing ad hoc counseling. So... <laughs> Some people just want to talk to you and that's okay and now i'm at a point that if i was to go have gone to college now i probably would have been like, oh yeah counseling's totally fine i would have been i would have been down that road and great but instead here you are <laughs> my 168 iq is being put to really good use <laughs> well keep getting hit in the head i'm sure that'll go down and then you won't have to worry about it anymore yeah <laughs> Oh, I'm sure I'm going to wreck myself in like 5,000 other ways. I mean, for context, I have uh, about a third of my knee, right knee is somebody else's. Um, I, have a, I have a metal plate and six screws in my neck. Um, I, I, I put my teeth through my lips. I've broken fingers. I've, I've, I have tendonitis more significantly in my left wrist than my right wrist, but both wrists. Um, I don't know what's up with my shoulder. Oh, <laughs> actually, I, I even do, still have a shoulder. Right, like it's there's there's structure here. I don't know if it's it's not doing things it's supposed to do anymore. Like I don't know. Um, <laughs> so it's not like, doing things it's supposed to do. It's doing things it shouldn't. Right. Um. So like, 
I don't know what's gonna get broke next, but I know I have I have plenty of road to find out. Um, I, I mean, I I I still wrestle. I still I'm I'm like I shouldn't say this out loud because a lot of my family don't know because they know about my neck and they would kill me. Um, but Bill's um, exposing himself on right. the stack. There you go. There's your there's your clickbait right there. Phil explo Phil ex well now I can't say words. <laughs> there is your clickbait. Phil exposes himself on the stack. Click to find out more. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just shaking my head. Now. Um but like I I uh, a couple weeks ago, I was out in Indiana and I was visiting family and it was before a wrestling revolver event in Dayton. And I, while I was out that way, I'm like, I'm going to check out some, some meet, meet up with some friends. I'm going to go to different wrestling trainings. And I went to one and like had a practice match and it was, I did like, it was bad. And it was like, I fault myself for it. I took a bad bump and like, my brain was like, I can't breathe. What am I doing? Like I got through the match, finished it. And, and, and everyone was like, Oh, it's fine. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like it should have been like there. And I just, I lost it. And then I went to another training and it was like, this is the greatest day I've ever had. Like I actually went to tr two trainings on one day while I was out there. I, I went one day, I won't say with you, I went one day and worked out. I'm like, this is a great day. And then my friend was messaging me like, hey, we're actually doing training tonight. Do you want to come down? I was like, sure, I feel great. And like, I went down there and I taught like submission wrestling. And I'm like, this is a great day. <laughs> it's so like i'm i don't know like i'm either gonna like i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna like i'm gonna be like i'm gonna super evolve i'm gonna be like krillin who is the strongest human alive by the way um like be like super krillin um or i'm just gonna be in a wheelchair <laughs> like maybe somewhere in between like i'm in a wheelchair on the regular and then like i don't know super saiyan human strength finds me and then like beat up everybody and then hobble back to the chair um I, I sometimes, and <laughs> uh, one of Ric Flair's, I think in Ric Flair's first book, he talks about like one of his favorite WWE superstars was Christian. And he was like, Christian was like hobbling around in the back on crutches because he could barely walk. And then like would walk out of the entranceway with no crutches. Like, yeah, everybody. <laughs> and he's like, this guy's a friggin' superstar and nobody sees it because they don't see the stuff that happens in the back. And I'm like, I keep that in mind a lot. <laughs> like, there are days I'm just like, I'm going to fall apart. <laughs> um, and I don't, and I don't even know why I, I, um, for like the last month I stand up and like one of my ankles just doesn't, it, it's not there anymore. And I don't know why it doesn't hurt. It's just not there. It becomes, and then becomes extremely painful because I then realize it's not there. And then it's gone like five seconds later, like nothing happened. Hmm. Do you have like, like supernatural body parts? I'm perplexed. I'm going to say yes. So, so, and this is, I'm going to define this one because in, in Phil wrestling life as a wrestler, there were times I was like, there is no way I have the, the, the capacity for strength that I have right now. And like, I would come home and I would like pick up things and move things. And like, if anybody's ever moved like a ring, uh, like a ring post, like you know how heavy the those things are and like i would pick them up by myself and move them and like people would look at me and i know they would and i'd be like yeah and i put it down i had neck surgery 
and now they do tell you after next surgery, like you're not supposed to lift anything for a few weeks, like more than the weight of a soup can. Um, and I remember going to an auto parts store and I'm grabbing a thing of like um, automatic transmission fluid. I pick it up with the right hand, no problem, move it to my left hand. And like, I immediately like drop. And, and my nephew was with me. He's like, Uncle Phil, what happened? <laughs> um, <laughs> you need to carry this. <laughs> um, but for like, three years I didn't have regular strength in my left arm and it finally got to a point like about a year ago of like wow I'm at I'm at normal human's capacity and I'm like can carry a gallon of milk now <laughs> right and I'm like but I sh- I should be well beyond normal human capacity <laughs> and like the turtle shell that was my back and it's so interesting because I had thought about this for so long, especially after my next stuff, and then heard William Regal on uh, Talk is Jericho. And he talked about this, that when he stopped wrestling after, um, or was that stopping his physical, I think after his heart surgery, that like his body's reaction was missing it and craving the physical, the physicality. uh, And was like, it was like, for me, what it felt like was like layers of my onion were peeling off. And I thought at first, as that was happening, like, okay, all these weird little injuries, all these little bumps and bruises that I've had, like, they're going to start to heal because now I'm giving it time to rest. I'm doing physical therapy and stuff. And I remember like this one day, maybe like six months after my next surgery, I was feeling pretty good. And then I went to physical therapy and it was like, I had backtracked and I'm like, I don't understand. I'm in here like three days a week. I'm like going to the gym. What's happened? And they were like, all the muscles that weren't firing because you're you have nerve damage but still have nerve damage in my back um you have nerve damage and so the nerves had disconnected from muscle fiber and so now they're trying to reconnect well now the right nerves are firing with the right muscles but those muscles haven't been worked because they the because they weren't firing because the nerves weren't connected anymore and so now the right muscles are trying to fire and they have no strength to them because they weren't being used and it's like Oh, well, this sucks. <laughs> so like even even now when I go to the gym, like now I'm at a point like I, I can do weight, regular weight bearing stuff. And I go to the gym, I do equal weight. And I'm, I when I do the tricep pull downs, there's a machine right in front of me and I can't my my mic's like right here. So it's hard for me to do this. My left arm is a little smaller in the tricep than my right arm. And I, I see it like it's very visible to me. And like I have li- I have like in random conversations with people that I know, I'm like, Look at my arms. They're like different sizes. And they're like, Bill, you see that. Nobody else sees that. But it's it, in me, it's a very real, visible thing um, that nobody else sees. But I see it all the time because it's just part of having to relearn how to do things that like, oh, oh, I thought I had like more superhuman ability and like I have normal human strength. What's happening? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> like, calm down, Clark Kent. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm, I'm going to Revolver on the night. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This Saturday, July this Saturday. 9th in Clive, Iowa. <laughs> Which is, like, basically just, like, Des Moines, Iowa. I mean, yeah, um, you're right. It's West Des Moines. I mean... When I was like, where the fuck is Clive? And then I was like, okay, it's just a line. Never mind. <laughs> um, so I'm going to look at your arms now. 
the thing is on the front you won't know i ha i literally have to do this oh you can kind of see it on the camera like this arm is a little bit different than this arm i'm gonna request you to do that so i can see it in person preferably around a multitude of other people that will have no idea why i'm asking you this just to be you know weird it works <laughs> it totally works i will i will make it a thing that people will have to come to understand and then they'll ask me, what are you doing? I'll be like, I'm sorry, you'll have to listen to the stack right. to understand why I'm asking this. <laughs> he was in an interview. You should listen to this interview. Uh, <laughs> as I demanded. Right. Um, so how did you decide to get into independent wrestling? Like, what made you... Like, I know that you said that it was, you'd wanted to be a wrestler, which I mean, mm -hmm. yes, but like, how did you decide to get like so involved and like specifically with like independent stuff? Um, I mean, I was like, a lot of people are, they, they, I was a fan. Um, I would come home and uh, there'd be on ESPN Classic, there would be like old uh, USWA and WCCW and, and, and Global. And of course I was watching WWF and E at the time and WCW. And it was like I I be, I eventually became hooked as a kid, and would just would just watch. And I was one of those kids that wrote a letter to the WWE and to WCW and was like, why why can't kids wrestle too? Um, I got I did not get a response from the WWE. I did get two responses from WCW. Um, they were both most of it was like a form letter, and the the start was a little bit different. Um, but they basically were like, hey, you have to be. Most places you have to be 18 to train, um, let alone to wrestle. And oh yeah, buy our book on how to become a wrestler. Um, I wish I bought that book. I did not buy that book. I'm very curious about that book. Um, but uh, so I knew in like middle school that pro wrestling training was a thing and that there were training centers, plural, not just like come to the WCW power plant, you know? And so I'm like, okay, now I'm going to look it up and, look, you know, dig a little bit more. And coincidentally, when I was in high school, met somebody who um, was just starting their independent wrestling journey. So found out a little bit through him as well, which then you just continued to open up the door. And again, early day, early day, Phil burgeoning day of internet. Um, so, you know, discovering more and more things that were out there, um, but also wrestling itself wasn't all the way out there. So it was like you had to dig a little bit to find out what was going on. Um, you know, was a big fan of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, like what all is out there, who all is out there. Um, and I found out about a lot. Like, you know, you would read through PWI 500 and you're like, what, what do you mean in Maryland? Like, what is the, <laughs> who is this person? And like, you'd, then you'd have to dig a little bit. Um, and so even when I, when I went to college, uh, when I started college, I knew it was a choice. I had to pay for college myself. And I was like, it's going to be a choice between college or pro wrestling. And at first it was, well, it has to be rest or excuse me. It has to be college. Honestly, it has to be um, because what happens if I get hurt, what happens, you know, if, if something bad happens, I have to have something. You, you replace it and you keep going. Well, there is that too, but you have to pay for the thing that's going to replace it. Um, so it was like, let me start here. Let me start with this. And I started at the same time as I was in college, started working in the back for different promotions. So um Q-Ball Carmichael's IPWA in in Virginia I did I did, did music and security um uh different wrestling federation that ran out, of, ran out of state college Pennsylvania I did ring crew and sound and security you know I did whatever I could kind of do to learn and some people would show me stuff here and there 
but I wasn't really training until a few years later. Randomly enough, um, I, I have a stomach condition that I still have to this day. A doctor misdiagnosed me, though, saying it was a precancerous condition. And so in my brain, because I also like look up everything, I, I was like, oh, I know what this is. And this precancerous condition more than likely will lead to full-blown cancer in two years, which means I'm going to be dead shortly thereafter. And so I just got to go, which is not true. People who have this condition, it's called Barrett's esophagus, does not always lead to cancer. And two, the cancer does not always lead to it like you're dead. <laughs> Um, but in my brain, I was like, it's now or never. Um, and then, so I was, I was in my last year of college and was like, I just gotta, I just gotta start trading, um, and made it work. I don't know how I made it work. Even now, when I think about the finances of it, I'm like, how did I do that? Um, cause I would drive two hours one way to go to training. Um, I was in, by that point I was in college in Western Maryland and I was driving to Baltimore for training and I, I did it. And uh, then realized as, as that, that training center closed down and, and, and suddenly, and no one really understood why, and then was trying to get out and get bookings and got my first booking with a friend of mine of Massachusetts. And I was like, oh, because I got really bad training. Um, oh, and no. then like, re but realized it super on, I was you know, very fortunate, had a good network of people and who helped me then like, sort of recorrect things and I went to like a boatload of seminars um, to just keep learning um, because the one way you learn isn't always necessarily going to be the only and good way and or the best way so it's like all right you have to keep going and going but it all started because I got a weird diagnosis of of what I thought was going to be a terminal issue that fortunately though it is terminal <laughs> that does that only means like I'm going to have it for the rest of my life not that it's going to kill me um but it, I have a, I do have a stomach condition, not the one though that they misdiagnosed me with, but that's kind of what changed me from just being in the back to really getting in the ring. But at that point too, I had wrestled in high school. I competed in judo. I did Brazilian jujitsu. Oddly enough, I couldn't go into the military because I have asthma. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can do all of this, <laughs> but I have asthma. And then come to find out that the stomach condition I have also is a disqualifier for military service. And I'm like, oh. Okay. I don't agree with either one of these. <laughs> like, I don't know. You don't see what I do on the weekends. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Like, if you only knew. Though I will, well, and because of wrestling, sort of, um, I mean, I also I have a film life. I have a life in the acting world. Um, and, and somehow, like, when people find out I do wrestling, then they're like, you can do stunts. And I'm like, yes but it's different than, than what you're thinking stunts are in film world uh, or theater world. And then like, I remember this one day they were like, okay, we're going to, we need stunt work. And I was like, okay, that's great. And I show up and they're like, you're going to get dragged by a car today. I'm very excited. I've never been dragged by, how is this going to work? And it's, li it literally was like a piece of cardboard underneath your stomach and holding onto the bumper of the car. I was, it was, oh my God, you want to talk about a thrill? Like that's a thrill and a half. I do not recommend anybody to do it. Like, because of the way I just worded it, do not do that. But it was a thrill and a half um, that then didn't make the cut in the movie. <laughs> no. But I had, I mean, so I got into doing some different stunt work because of that, um, because wrestling. Um, so it, it's, 
yeah, it's interesting how things just like weave together a little bit here and there and, and how life ends up happening. Nice. At least you got to experience getting dragged by a car, though. Yes. How many people can say that they have had the experience of being dragged by a car? You know, and, and without injury. Like, I should add that little caveat there, too. And, you know, I can honestly say that I've never done that. I don't anticipate a world in which that will be a thing <laughs> I need to do unless I'm for some reason in some grave danger, which I would really hope not. Right. Um, I would rather stay away from grave danger if I can. I mean, grave danger sounds like a wrestler. It probably has been a wrestler. I feel like there should be. Like... <laughs> now introducing grave danger. <laughs> Val pancakes. Grave danger. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. There, there was an event called Grave Danger from the Independence, from Independence Pro Wrestling up in Michigan. Did you just Google this? I totally just Googled this. Wow. Like, that was stealth. I didn't there, even notice. Oh, I 120 words a minute when I have to... Jenny, Christmas. Um, Emerge had an event called Grave Danger. So, like, yeah, it's out there. But I, I don't see a wrestler named Grave Danger. So if someone wants to steal that gimmick. Trademark um, Val Pancakes. You can pay me for it, and I will gladly let you have it. There you go. Hashtag the stag. <laughs> There's another podcast that has, it's called The Stack. And they come out on Wednesdays, too. And I started following him from my The Stack Twitter, just so he knows. <laughs> just so he knows that you know? Uh-huh. I'll fist fight him if I have to. I love it. <laughs> I mean, so, <laughs> things have to hit, you know? <laughs> like my fist. No. <laughs> the only reason I know is because I always hashtag myself with hashtag the stack, and so does he. And so it like it intermingles. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have near as many followers um, as I do. You know, as, as I am the president of wrestling, uh, I also have had some sense to maybe I should trademark that. And so I have trademarked president of wrestling. And I am watching. I'm like, do I just say it? I was watching a nationally televised wrestling program uh, just before this last election and somebody is making a promo in the ring and says something like huh maybe there should be a president of this place or something like a president of something like called pro wrestling and I'm like wait a minute and because I know who that person is I, e- I messaged them and was like just so you know I have trademarked president of wrestling (laughs) and then i never heard them reference it again i was like (laughs) either have a conversation with me about it or i didn't say that but i was like sort of implying it it just went away i never heard about it again i was like okay great do you like were they trying to like rip you off i don't think they were i really i genuinely don't um but the second i said that like like that train of promos went away Would be a shame if you got a cease and desist. <laughs> My brain just made the dun dun dun. 
so like, and th- like, well, then, then there was, I mean, you, I'm not going to lie. You said Shindy earlier. And I was like, mm, how's this going to go? There was a Shindy. <laughs> there was a Shindy. And this guy was like, I'm the president of pro wrestling because I know you're the president of wrestling, but I'm the president of pro wrestling because it's different. It's like, okay, bro, this is not how this is going to work. Oh, you're just upset because I'm real. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you, I've seen the events of the 15 people that you've drawn. No. Okay, so I'll be the vice president. I'm saying no, but, you know, let's see how far that carries you. And now I don't think he's involved in anything to do with wrestling. So Sometimes the trash takes itself out. <laughs> From the words of Val Pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> you can always, you know, wrestling is a fun place, but there's a lot of assorted people. Yes. Involved. Yes. 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 I'm, I'm very fortunate. Like, I, I mean, we've all met interesting characters in the world of professional wrestling. And I am very fortunate that some of the like the horror stories of like absolute horror of things I have fortunately been avoided. Like I have not been associated. There are random things that I've had experiences with, like hella random, but like fortunately not like the bad, <laughs> like a lot of the bad I've been able to navigate away from. Thank gracious. Well, I'm glad that you've been able to like, have a mostly positive experience with the people you've interacted with. Um, Most I've, <laughs> I've been very fortunate to, so far I've had the same, um, mostly positive interactions with most people. Um, just a handful of people that I really don't like, but like most, most people I thoroughly enjoy. I mean, um, but that, that also happens in any walk of life. Like I, yeah. <laughs> okay i will i will be very clear like i i am very vague when i talk about my like office life outside of wrestling because i i have had people find me there um not in this particular workplace but at others and so i'm very vague about where i where my off what i do in my office job um but like in that life i i have i've had supervisors who gaslit me i've had um people who probably should not have been in positions of leadership. Um, I have seen fraudulent behavior, criminal behavior, like that happens. And, and it's sort of like in every walk of life. Um, unfortunately, there are, when people say like, oh, there's a few bad apples. I'm like, yes, there's a few bad apples in every bunch. And we forget that. And sometimes it's like, we only focus on the bad apples of that bunch. And it's like, there's some spread around. <laughs> like you kind of be cautious. There's not just bad Granny Smith apples. There's also bad Red Delicious apples and Brayburn apples. Right. All kinds. Right. There. So who has had the most influence on you both in and out of the ring? Ooh. Um, and it can be two different people or the same person. Um, I, I will say some of that changes over time because, I mean, I'm still a... I got into wrestling because I was a fan. And so like, there's people who I enjoy and like inside of the wrestling ring who at different times in my life, I have found enjoyment watching. Um, I mean, like I, my favorite wrestler at the moment is Zack Sabre Jr. 
um, because I'm a huge I'm a huge technical wrestling fan. Uh, love technical wrestling, and he can trash talk like nobody's business, and I dig that. <laughs> like, I mean, you have heard me, Val. Like, you know the things that I can say and talk, and with without having to go to swearing, without having to call anybody out in an inappropriate fashion, um, or getting quote cheap heat. Like, I can I can just be a jerk, and Zach takes it to a different level, and I enjoy that, um, <laughs> so much. Um, but like, there's different people like, and like my hand is right here. And so like, I see this guy in my background. Um, and like, looks like you're stroking his chin <laughs> right there. It, just, it has a little itch like right there. It feels weird. It feels weird. Why does my finger feel weird? Um, so, uh, like I, I'll be, I'll be very Sammy when it comes to visual aesthetic and identity and brand awareness is super friggin' intelligent. And because I've had that exposure of different aspects of wrestling, I'm like, there's different people I've learned from all over time that I'm like, I can take this and I can take this and I can take this. Um, when I, my, the first person I became a fan of in the world of professional wrestling was Eric Embry. And he was a Texas, out of Texas. Um, he, he was more than just a Texas wrestler to me because as I found out about his history and like, not just world-class and USWA, um, as he traveled, um, and, and eventually, I mean, he's still around, he's still with us, but like, uh, my understanding is he got in a car crash and that sort of ended like his in-ring career going on to like the next level. But he was the first person I watched and I was like, I get it. I, I see what's happening now. And I mean, he was in a feud. Uh, this is one of my first feuds I got into in, in wrestling. It was the wrestler Eric Embry versus Skandar Akbar, the manager, and Skandar's like whole crew of people that was like pretty much trying to take, not just trying to take down like the company, but they were all targeting Eric Embry. And so here's Eric trying to fight back this whole army of, of people. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like I've always, so the story of wrestling has also attracted me too. And like, I, that was like the first I saw Skandar Akbar is another one that I was like, this is amazing. Um, so over time, I feel like I've taken different things from different people. Um, one of, my, one of my best friends in wrestling, and I, and I know not a lot of people in wrestling will know who he is now, but he used to wrestle as, as Dr. Milo Shizo. He was a Ring of Honor graduate, um, trained under uh, Delirious, and is so super smart to the business today. He's not in wrestling anymore, but like him and I will have conversations, and it's like, can I just have you like come to promotions I work with and like just be there? And like, because people would learn and like really get it if they just listened. Um, because he had, he just has that kind of wrestling brain. And I, I like, I appreciate that about him. Um, Dan McDevitt, who's the promoter for MCW, super smart to wrestling. And, and outside of wrestling, he has, he has been very successful in a career in real estate. And so like, he understands that, you know, how do you tie the, the business and part, the business part of pro wrestling is just as important as like the rest of pro wrestling. And so like, you know, the way you make money is important. Um, the way you do branding is important. Uh, and he is very keen on that and aware of that. And so it's like, I do cherry pick and apple pick like from the best people because I've been exposed to so many of those people. Um, and I, I super appreciate that too. <laughs> like, wow, I'm totally going to borrow this for the next time. Um, so they, I don't know. I've, so I've definitely had a lot of influences <laughs> in my life in wrestling. Good. I mean, 
I I like that you are, you know, taking the best bits and pieces and like putting them all in your little your little bushel basket. Oh, we are continuing to make fruit metaphors. There you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> my basket weaving is not strong, but you know, I can carry. Maybe not with my left arm as much, but you know. <laughs> um so what do you see as your future in professional wrestling like as of like today looking looking forward that is a really hard question um for me that's a really really hard question um i don't know to be very honest i I really don't um i of course would love to be signed by somebody uh and i even knew even when, once I got into wrestling, I, I had the reality of, I know, I, I know the height I am. Um, so I'm not intimidating anybody with my massive over six feet tallness that I don't have. Um, and that is part of it. So I always thought, you know, if I had success beyond um, the independent level, it's probably going to be a mouthpiece as a mouthpiece. Um, maybe there's some things I can do behind the scenes as well. And I have some intelligence that I could bring to all of that. And uh I don't know if that's in the cards for me to have that, you know, that next level of contract. I want to, of course, but like just real realist, just to, to be a realist, like uh, I've applied for jobs with the WWE and have seen people from uh, who've had no wrestling experience, but television broadcasting experience. And I'm like, I totally understand that. I totally get that. And, and then I see somebody else who gets hired with like, they were a super fan and they got hired to be on the creative team. And I'm like, I, how did that happen? Like there, there are times I've seen that happen too. Um, and so, and, and, you know, I watch some of the moves that WWE does and I'm like, I'm not saying I condone it, but I'm like, I see what you're doing, but why are you doing it this way? But okay. Okay. Um, but I don't really know. I don't really know. Like if somebody turned around tomorrow and said, Hey, Phil, here's a contract. Like I would seriously think about it, but I'm like, is that then where I want to, well, I mean, yes, it's where I want to be, but at the same time, it's like, I, ha- I have, because of my office life job, I can afford a lot of the things I do right now in my life. And would this other, would another opportunity afford me the same additional opportunities? So it's like, there is a, you know, a pro and con and ways and balances and stuff. And like, it all has to work out in the end. And I'm very fortunate that I'm in a, in a spot in my office life where I can, do some traveling and have that time off afforded to me, um, but still work my ass off doing all of it. Fair enough. I do want to run my, like solely run my own events. Um, I mean, certainly I revolver at MCW and a lot of other places. Like I help coordinate a lot of it. Um, and, and to, to the degree that I've, I, a lot of people don't know what I'm doing, what I sometimes am doing behind the scenes, just keep, things together but so there is a little bit of like i want to reach out on a limb and do some of my own things um i thought actually that was going to happen this year and then um because wrestling is wrestling um somebody who was going to rent their rent their license to me to run events in virginia like vanished into a cloud of ether and i don't know where this person is anymore um so like i'm looking into okay so that means i have to have all of my own stuff and get all of that together and virginia has weird commissioning and licensing stuff um, like not just wrestlers have to be licensed. You have to have 
a promoter's license, of course, um, all the insurances and bonds that come with that. You also have to have a matchmaker license. Um, that, that's an additional thing. Um, mm, sounds like uh, an additional way for them to make money. I hate states of commissions. That sucks. All it does is, is just stifle the business in the area. Mm-hmm. And not just from, you know, little guys feel it more. Like the indies are going to feel it more. Yeah. But then you're not going to get AEW or WWE coming to you. It, it is a mix because, um, well, like, I mean, hey, I'm in Maryland, which find AEW for having like barbed wire or weapons or something and then didn't find WWE when they came. So it's sort of like, can we figure this out? Now, because I've worked with the commission, sometimes you just have to ask them in advance. And one of their things is, well, they just didn't get permission. And so that's why they got fined, was they didn't ask for the permission beforehand. And it's like, okay. Um, So that doesn't put a great relationship with the state of Maryland (laughs) and AEW. And I know that. Um, But you're right. You know, it's like this weird double-edged sword because then I look at some states that don't have commissions and it's like literally anybody can run. And that's not always a great thing for a number of reasons. And I'm not discounting anybody an opportunity, like take the opportunities you can. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes the quality is not there in some of those places, not all of them, but in some of them. But then again, there's commission states where there's some of the quality isn't there too. So it's like, you just gotta, you, you gotta keep an eye out on it and you know, what's available to happen and what can you take the opportunities to grow yourself in. And I want to grow more. And, you know, I think that next thing is for me to put myself on a little bit of a ledge. So you're going to do like the Phil Stamper, like president of wrestling, like election show. A, and a, a former promoter I worked for one day called me like out of the blue. And I don't, I don't remember, like I hadn't worked with him in years. And he was like, I just want to call and check up on you. See how you're doing. Da, 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 da. And we were starting to talk. He's like, yeah, I was thinking of maybe running my own thing. He's like, Oh, you know, whatever you want to do on there, it's going to be great. You know, if you want to call it Stamper's House of Wrestling, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, I, I, we continued the conversation, and it dawned on me what he said. And I was like, did you, wait a minute. Did you just say Stamper's House of Wrestling? He's like, yeah, because it be a show. I was like, what? no, I'm not calling something the Stamper's House of Wrestling. But I'm like, it's there. <laughs> um, It's right there. <laughs> but. I have thought about, I still own Heartland Wrestling Association. Um, like I, that's another trademark I have. Um, and I own the library since 2003 on. So, you know, there's content there. Um, there is a heritage associated to that name that I super appreciate. And I have had people offer me some money for it. And I'm like, I would, again, when it comes to quality, it's like, I think that name means something. And I think if I was to sell it, it has to go to somebody who would do something good with that property. Um, and not guy down the street who will only draw 10 people. It's, you want to draw at least, at least 15. Right. You're at the <laughs> bar. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They have to have a bar. No. Right. <laughs> Can they limbo under it? <laughs> See, I was thinking like like a bar like for beverages. Um, how to make Sammy Callahan mad at you. Um, tell him that you want to name your next event, what whatever city we're in, beach party. Like the Dayton Beach Party, Dayton, Ohio, which is near I don't if there's a body of water near it larger than a large creek, like 
I don't know. But like, I was like, I want to have the Dayton beach party. I want to have, and what triggered the thought of it was I was going through Amazon looking for something and I saw like an inflatable projection screen like that you can do for like, you know, like for having your front yard and get a projector and like project on the screen. I was like, oh my God, I want to get inflatable everything and like just put it around the building. And like, of course, regular wrestling ring. I'm not, not, I'm not that crazy. And like, we're calling it the Dayton Beach Party. And I, I meant it as a joke. Sammy did not take kindly to the joke. <laughs> so should I, if, if I ever get a chance to, to talk to Sammy Callahan, I'll ask him when we're getting the Clive Iowa Beach Party. Yes, yes. Do everybody do it. If you are coming to Revolver, everybody ask Sammy Callahan, who will be at the door when is the Clive yes, Beach Party? I'll ask him for sure. And he'll go, fuck, who are you? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't know if I should out the person, but I'll out Sammy. Why not? Um, so, Because <laughs> uh, th- this is like nothing that Sammy had any control over at all. Um, so Sammy was, was signed at NXT. And there's this mysterious Twitter account that shows up. And I'm going to forget the name of it. It was like, Johnny Wakewater or something and some and it used a picture of Sammy like I think they even photoshopped Sammy in like a pair of like beach shorts or something like that and like say trying to say that like WWE was rebranding Sammy Callahan as Johnny Wakewater and like he was now gonna have like this surfer beach gimmick and somehow it got a little bit of buzz that somebody thought it was real I didn't even know it existed at the time all this happened um years go by and a wrestle and a person who is now in wrestling says to me that they created this account to kind of troll Sammy. <laughs> As like, at this time, he was like 11, 12 years old. Like, you know, he's, he's a kid. So that's why I'm not going to out him because like, okay, he was a kid. Um, but I think it's, I think it's friggin' hilarious. <laughs> so may, I'm like, maybe that's why Sammy doesn't want a beach party because he has trauma from Johnny Wakewater. <laughs> maybe I should, I, maybe I should... Be like, Sammy, Sammy. So I've heard that Johnny Wakewater is planning a Clive Iowa beach party. Now, Sammy denies to me because I've brought him, I've brought Johnny Wakewater up a couple times. He completely denies to me any acknowledgement of of that name. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Who is like, seriously, I don't know who that is or what that was. And when I tell him, he's like, I, I don't consciously remember that. Meanwhile, the person's like, oh yeah, he got hot mad. Like he was messaging me, like super pissed. And I was like. Okay, Sammy doesn't remember. So, like, now what is funny, because I do have access to things that revolver, like the sound. And so at intermission and before the shows, I, I make sure that there's music playing, because I think, I think that creates an atmosphere. Um, and so I do that. And I, I now and again input Sammy Callahan's old theme song, <laughs> which was Space Dementia by Muse which he hated <laughs> after like the first, <laughs> after like the second or third time he had it, like he was, he was done with it. And, but everybody played it. And so <laughs> I will sneak that into the rotation because I know, I know, cause this has happened every single time I have snuck it in rotation a third of the way through the song. Sammy is, is there. Can, can we move to, can we get another song? Like oh. he never says, cause I hate it. Like this, what never, like he's calm about it. But it's just like, 
every single time. I even did it one time to like, like I'm making this up in my own brain. Like this can't be real, right? Like he's not paying that much attention. Every single time if I play that song. Can we play, can we play another song? Sure. Yeah, yeah, when this one's over. Why, Sammy? <laughs> why would you want a different song? I to- I can torture that. Like, he hates the color blue. He hates the that's color blue. weird. It's it's a thing. Blue is a good color. Right. Like I blue is like my color. Right. And so uh we, we had I think the first revolver event when we came back because when we came back in October, there was a lot of like I had to sh- I had to sort of like show to myself that I could do the same impact I did when we hadn't had an event over two years. And so I also knew because I have found the best Sammy Callahan is an authentic Sammy Callahan. And so I wanted to get under his skin. So I think, I don't remember if I had a, a, he had me change my shirt because I had a blue dress shirt and he did have me change it to a revolver shirt, but I had my blue suit jacket like the shiny blue suit jacket that I have. He didn't say anything about it until, and after the event, I was like, hey, Sammy, what'd you think about the jacket? And he gave me this look like, I don't, I just, I just don't know if that's you. I don't know. Maybe it's like the color or something. And I was like, because you hate the color blue. And I wore that just for you because I knew you would get pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) He hates the color blue? It's a thing. Like he's he said it. Like I heard it in an interview one time with him, and he was like, "I can't stand the color." But I think I think in his mind, and he is right. Again, Sammy is great with 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 visual identity stuff, and he's like the color blue is sometimes way overused in in logos and coloring in gear in like all this stuff. And he's not wrong. It's a very prominent color because so many people like the color blue. Um, yeah, because it's an objectively good color. Right. But I think that's also for him, it's like then it doesn't necessarily leave a lasting standing impression for like logo use or visual identity alone as, you know, as a color or part of a pattern per se. Not necessarily part of a pattern, but as part of like, you know, a statement thing. And I was like, I, I don't disagree with that, uh, but I know what he thinks about it. So <laughs> every now and then, dig, dig, dig. <laughs> <laughs> Then again, so, now now I'm, you know, I I kind of got the unit into a cage of horrors match. So you know, there's sometimes ramifications of of my actions, and I have to I have to be mindful of that. And and Sammy is nothing if not notoriously crafty, so like I am cautious about what the hell he has planned up his sleeve because he's not gonna leave it. Like I'm sorry, this is a little too much straightforward. Of like, okay, we're gonna have a cage of horrors match, and it's the unit versus the crew and like you're planning something and like i know it like the whole last like last last event and and here's a shoot the last event that we had in dayton um it was infrared versus uh pos for the revolver tag team championship and then i see sammy post because he's posting uh oh i've booked dan the dad and man scout which okay where are you putting them Tell me where you're putting. They're going to be in the tag match. And I'm saying this. I'm being very real right now. I was like, I know you're putting them in this tag match. 
<laughs> oh, I don't know yet. Yes, you do. Because I know. Like, I see it. It's written right there on the stump. Like, it's, it's, right, it's right there, Sammy. Game of three-way. Like, okay. Okay. I see it. Mm. Um, so, like, now he's, now he's booked on this Friday. He's booked, or excuse me, on this Saturday. He's booked down the dad versus man scout in a singles match and a rematch from the match they were supposed to have. Supposed to have. Like, I'm something. You, something. I was going to say, are you calling shenanigans? Oh, oh, yeah. Sammy and shenanigans. Like, they coexist. Salmon 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 ding dong. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Um. Manam That's gonna stuck my head. Um. What would you say has been your greatest achievement, and then what's the greatest obstacle that you've overcome in wrestling? Um. Like to date. I mean, a little bit of it is. Just to be here today is a little bit of both. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the, the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize getting into wrestling is that it isn't like, okay, I'm here. Like, it is a constant pushing of yourself and work and connection and building and moving. And, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to the world of professional wrestling that a lot of people don't understand or see, um, which sometimes I get hot about um, because I'm like, you lazy bums need to get off your butts and like help clean up after yourselves. Yeah, yeah, grown ass adults. Like, 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 there's times I have that that moment. <laughs> like, um, because like, there's a reputation that we have as a company. There's a reputation we have as the built with the building. There's, you know, there are different pieces of what it means to be involved in wrestling. And I think some people don't know that that is a constant cycle in process, in progress, and improvement that never should be stopping. Um, that for me is also why, like, I do love continuing to learn things and doing things a different way. Um, this is going to sound silly, but it will go back to like the calendar stuff. I now have the calendar built out in, in, uh, Google docs. And I just did that about six weeks ago. Um, I moved it from literally a notepad document. Um, one, just because now I can be anywhere and you know, sign in and I have access, but two, because now if I can ever get it back to be updated on a website, um, I had that at one point and the coding broke and somebody else made the site and then they decided to give up. And so it's like, all right, if I ever decide to do this, oh, I found the steps it takes to learn how to do this, but it starts with building a Google Doc. It's like, okay, so now I have all the stuff I need there to then do the other stuff if I can get to that point. So it's like, sometimes you have to teach yourself and learn things too that aren't just all about how do I, how do, I do an arm bar? Like there's things that you have to advance on too. And by the way, I'm really good at knowing how to do an arm bar. Um, and I have advanced on that on that side of my life too. So um, you constantly learn and grow and, and learn new things and share things. Um, uh, Carson Drake, who's at OVW, by the way, is a great wrestler to watch out for. Um, I, I, one of the trainings I went to when I was in Indiana, he happened to be there and he was uh, looking at trying to figure out this move. And I was like, Hey, mind if I show you something? And he was like, sure. And now it's his finisher. Um, so Aww. like, I know that there's things I can continue to bring and uh, contribute to but some of that is from that consciousness of continuing to learn. Like if he was like, I got it. Like, okay, then he wouldn't have learned what's now his new finish. Um, on the obstacles, <laughs> it's, it's sometimes that too. Like the, the sense of a little bit of that self-doubt, a little bit of that, like, man, I feel like I'm running into 
walls. Um, I think the hardest obstacle that I ever hit was knowing when it was time to leave. Um, I, I worked for CZW. I, 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 in many respects, it was not a great experience. In other respects, it was wonderful. And I met some of the best connections in my life, um, in my personal life, not just my wrestling life at, while I worked there. Um, at the same time, like, man, I hated working for DJI. And I had to get to a point where it's like, I need to leave. The things I'm being promised aren't happening. Um, money wasn't happening the right way. Like things were going wrong. And it's like, okay, I've tried. I've offered ways to fix that you don't want to listen to. Peace out, yo. Um, I, I still get calls from that man. <laughs> that like, can we talk about this thing? It's like, okay, what do you want to talk about? Because you're not going to do anything I tell you about, but let's talk. Like, and sometimes it's just that you, you know you, when you have to say no or pass on an opportunity. Um, and again, like I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm at a point in my, my wrestling life where wrestling pays some bills. Like they genuinely do. I am not just saying that like it, it is part of my financial well-being. And pays uh, your Netflix subscription. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Done. Fifth, what are we at now? $13 a month for Netflix, $15 a month? Um, like, taken care of <laughs> but i mean my rent got paid for last month because of like straight wrestling pay, paydays plus then half of uh this or next month's already is is taken care of so like is it good enough to take care of my entire life and existence no but it certainly is knocking out a good portion um which i super appreciate um but like that again that didn't happen overnight that didn't happen with some hardship that didn't happen with lessons being learned um some of it about good money management um like you know here here's your hot you know here's your your 20 dollars, kid thanks for coming doesn't cut it after like a couple years in and doesn't cut it when then it's like okay we're all gonna go out and 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 we're all gonna drink and eat three times the money that we just made um and it's like that that doesn't compute so like there's there's ways you have to be smart about it um and and you know young phil too getting into wrestling um in a geographical location this is this has changed a little bit now like the the modality of the way people know about wrestling is, is certainly changed but even then even after after the burgeoning days of the internet when things a little more out there and more social media was happening like physically at one point i lived in a physical location where there just wasn't people in my wrestling life crossing paths so like the people I knew in Maryland were like circling in like the Maryland Philly area. The people I knew in like Pittsburgh were staying up there, maybe going into West Virginia, but I was in like Western Maryland and nobody was crossing there. And at that time there, there wasn't some of the, the promotions that are there now. And so it was like, well, okay. When my car broke down for a couple of months and I couldn't afford to get a new car, it's like, well, I have no way to get to events. What am I going to do? And, and learning how to network, like, Hey, can I get my friend on, who's coming out of the area to, so I could get to an event, like having to then, you know, learn that skill is a different skill set too. Um, and, you know, some of that you have to learn through just the experience of dealing with it and growing with it. Um, and I, you know, I was in a place financially for a long time where it was like, there was no default. Like I, I said before, like I paid for college myself. I paid for wrestling training myself. So when I got my first job, um, I, I worked in college housing and part of the reason I worked in college housing because it gave me housing um, and it paid me next to nothing. Um, it, I think it 
well, now it, it certainly now would pay me under what minimum wage is. Um, like I got, it was, it was low. Um, and I only got paid. I think, I don't think I only had a nine month contract, uh, my first two years. So it was like, okay, what, what two sticks am I rubbing together to make fire here? Um, but it was just the reality of the situation. So it's like one of the very first lessons I, someone told me was like, never go to an event that you can't afford to get home from. Um, so it's like, that makes sense. Um, I, I remember in, even in my professional life, um, when I was getting ready to graduate college, I had gotten a, a job interview at a college in Massachusetts. I couldn't go because I didn't have money for gas. And like, I, I, I remember calling the place and was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't have anybody to borrow from. I literally have this much money in my bank account. I can't make it. And like, that's just the, re that's just the reality. And so that certainly um, impinged upon what I was able to do in my wrestling life. Um, that probably lost me out some deals in, in young Phil wrestling life. Um, but like, I've learned a lot from that and I've had to adjust. I've had to adjust and, and know that, okay, I have to be smarter about this and how does this work? Um, that also means that I'm a little bit more open to call some people out on like, hey, this is what you promised in writing. Um, so guess what I need? Not in your writing, in cash, please. Like, I, I have to be able to do that and have the confidence to be able to do that. And there's a good fortune that I have in what I like to believe is a decent reputation in the world of wrestling to be able to say like, hey, bud, like, you need to take care of people. Um, one of the last people I had to have a conversation with about appropriate pay was uh, I knew walking in the building, I was like, something ain't right in Denmark. Like, he's not going to pay us well. Like, he's going to try to do something. I, 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 I was breathing it in. Um, I was going to be on commentary and somebody I was on commentary with was like, yeah, the last time we hit, he had an event, he didn't have referees. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, he totally forgot the referees. So like people were doing double duty as wrestling and then refing. And I was like, what? And I was like, and this was, I was like, this was early streaming days. I mean, he was not streaming on anything. And I'm like, why does he have commentators? Like, what are we, who are we commentating to? <laughs> like, we should have been the rest. Well, it, it ended up that night, I ended up doubling his ring announcer, which I've done a lot on ring announcing and commentary. Um, and so the end of the night comes and there was not a, a large turnout. And he, by his own admission, did not do well promoting. And so into the night, and there's a line out the door, like he wants to meet with everybody individually, which I'm like, this is also typically sometimes a sign of something like not right in Denmark. So I get in there and it's him and like two of his buddies. And I'm like, I think in retrospect, as I look back at the situation, I'm like, I think they were supposed to look intimidating. I was just going to say, were they trying to intimidate you? I think they were trying. But like when you have like your, your mid thirties friend who looks 15 years older, with like the blue tank top that doesn't like fit over his gut and like in the in like the short shorts that look like they belong in the 30 wearing the mullet that doesn't quite isn't quite even like that's not an intimidating look but looking back at it i think he was trying to be intimidating and he was like wow now for context this was an event in pennsylvania he's like wow you're charging me more than this this entire car did from florida and i was like well i'm glad i worked a better deal out than they did and I got paid all of my money that day. <laughs> um, so it's like you, but sometimes you have to be that way. And like, I don't like being like that. Like that is not, that is not Phil. Like that is not 
but if if the other person was honest in the first place, then I wouldn't have to be like that. So you and sometimes I have to remember that. Like it isn't. It's one thing to be a nice guy and the nice guy, but it's another thing to be fair to yourself and accountable to yourself at the end of the day. It's not always personal. Sometimes it's just business. Right. Right. But sometimes it's it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just blend. <laughs> So if you could have an action figure of yourself and it was one of the ones that could like talk, what phrases would you have it say and what accessories would it come with? For sure, trust and fill. Um, Somewhere, someone actually made a custom action figure for me and I don't know where it's at at this present moment. I think I know, actually. I think it's in a a, a box in the other room, Um, which was like super cool. Like when I got it, I was like, this is amazing. Um, So it has to say trust and fill, absolutely. Uh, and maybe a couple of different ways to say trust and fill. Um, because there's the snarky way, and then there's like the friendly, like trust and fill. <laughs> uh, um, oh my gosh, one of my probably my first horrible <laughs> attempt at a catchphrase was can you handle it? Not great. <laughs> it was not a winner. So there's part of me in my brain though that's like, and you actually, I think again burgeoning days of the internet um i think it was when i would write wrestling responses in my social media and that's how i would end it can you handle it and every other word was capitalized or every other letter was capitalized it was like c little a began <laughs> like it's like one of those like mocking like fake woke kind of statements like before that was a thing like i, I wasn't yeah to be anything i was just trying to make it the literal characters and the letters stand out um uh, <laughs> that definitely has like mocking Spongebob vibes like yeah. the mocking Spongebob meme the, like, can oh, you handle it <laughs> there was a while um, I, I used this on commentary a handful of times I did not like overdo it um, if you missed the beginning of the podcast I am a ridiculous Doctor Who fan and um, like I, I have a wall of Funko Pops and there's like a line of a column of them that are all Doctor Who related and um People used to give me Funko Pops, by the way. That was that's the weirdest thing. I like never knew anybody knew, and then like I suddenly got like a whole bunch. I'm like, this is really cool. Um, but um, a line I used to steal a lot on commentary was like, "This isn't war. This is pest control." Um, and I was like, "I love it." <laughs> <laughs> um, I have totally abused that line <laughs> way too many times in professional wrestling. It is the most professional wrestling thing Doctor Who has ever uttered. And I love it. Love it to death. So just while we're on the topic of Doctor Who, um, favorite doctor, favorite companion? Ooh, uh, David Tennant, favorite doctor. Um, favorite companions are <laughs> um, Ace. I'll have to say Ace from, from okay. the original series. Okay. I'm just glad you didn't say Rose. No. Martha of the original of the newer s- series, uh, Martha is my favorite companion. Nice, underrated. Yeah, I, I thought them as like a doctor and companion. I was like, this is this is great. Um, because of rest, this is so weird. Because of like acting life, Phil, I knew a lot of things like going on behind the scenes in BBC, and like they they were so weird about contracts that like Martha and the way she was supposed to be utilized in Torchwood and later and coming back in Doctor Who that didn't quite work out because BBC 
doesn't really contract in that way. So she couldn't make commitments um, to anybody because they weren't making commitment to her. And so like she was supposed to appear in a couple of this or in one of the specials and she couldn't because she was under contract with the, I think IW or ITV. I almost said IWTV um, with, <laughs> with ITV in England because she was making another show because they didn't offer her anything. And so it was, she, she will quote missed out because BBC was sort of uncoordinated, which is why now there's going to be some changes to Dr. Who that's coming up um, next season with a, a brand new doctor and a brand new, uh, uh, showrunner and all sorts of stuff because the new the showrunner is the old showrunner and bought the rights to more or less the rights to um i can't remember the right phrasing it's not the distribution rights but basically has the right to make the content for doctor who to then sell to bbc um so he controls like all the contracting stuff now separate from the bbc so i'm interested in seeing how how all that develops random nerdiness i know i have a lot of pockets of, of things i'm perfectly okay with that um i'm just again i didn't say rose too many people say rose i'm kind of like mm, rose kind of sucks rose kind of my Hi. second second to least favorite least favorite being clara i i have a soft spot for clara i really uh, um she like the ta- i like, got i got weak. the whole rose thing i got the whole rose thing i did i wasn't there for it um to me t- to me the show is called doctor who the show is about the doctor and I, I would hear interview interviews with Russell T Davies and it's like, no, the show is about the companion and their experience to the doctor. And that's how you share your experience because you certainly can't understand what it's like to be the doctor. And I was like, and this is, I'm sorry, I've been showing off for five seconds. I said, I actually, I said this jokingly early. I, I do have a 168 IQ and, and there are times when I'm like, I can do some of this in my sleep. Like I connected a little bit more to the doctor than I did to any companion ever. Um, and that wasn't for any reason other than just like, I, that's the person doing the adventuring, like bringing in, like sort of showing the way to the other person. Like I kind of attributed more or gravitated more to that than I did like associating with the companion. Um, and so I, I, I get why they did television is very different than what it was. You know, I, I watched, I didn't get into, into the old series until it was way off and it was like playing on public television at middle of the night on Saturdays, you know, like that, I, that's how I caught up on Dr. Who. Um, but so I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about to see where Dr. Who's about to go next, but I'm also like, it's going to be a show about the companions again. And I'm really not about a show about the companions again. Like, you know, I liked I liked Donna a lot. I think part of that though is I just really like Catherine Tate just generally. Yeah. I just think she's very funny. But also like for me, I like their dynamic where it wasn't like starry-eyed in love. Oh doctor. Yeah. 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 Um, I was like, nice. Like I said, you know, Rose is not my favorite either. Yeah. I will say though, like when um in, Doc, in, in Donna's run and that end of that very first episode when they tease Rose's appearance, like didn't see it coming. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then I, but it wasn't, and it was just like the whole story connection to me. Like, I thought that was a really super strong moment of Rose. Um, and it's horrible. Cause I'm like, that's probably like the best way they could have used her um, in that, in that moment. Cause it was a total shock and a total surprise. Um, and even for them to keep it the way they hid it from the public 
was just so super smart um, because they didn't want it to get leaked. So they filmed it with a different actress at first um, wearing that purple coat and she hadn't been seen in the purple coat yet. So it just made a lot of sense. And I, I dig it. I love uh, the one, one of the things I like about Doctor Who is how they connect like different bits and pieces from all of Doctor Who mm-hmm, into like weave it all together. So you get those little like Easter egg type thing. And like, oh. um, but I'm also I'm also a huge Star Trek nerd. Like that was probably my introduction to to sci-fi. My mom was a huge Star Trek fan. Um, it's it's the first television show I remember watching um, as a kid was reruns of Star Trek. And so, like, I'm all in on. I have a Paramount. Paramount Plus is the only subscription service I directly pay for because I want to watch all the Star Trek content. Um, so, like, Star Trek: uh, Strange New Worlds is frigging amazing, and the the Easter eggs they have in that show are like beyond my expectations. Um, I was I, I had a lot of hope for Discovery to do that for me, and it didn't. Um, but I like Discovery. It's just its own. It's just its own thing. And they didn't set that up to per se be the prequel show that now Strange New Worlds is, which was really fan service. Like, and they've not shied away from it. They were like, fans begged for us to make this show. And they weren't wrong. Fans literally campaigned to make that, that show happen. And it, it has been, it, they've been knocking it out of the park in almost every episode. So I appreciate that show. Fair enough. I'm not like the biggest sci-fi fan, but I did like Doctor Who. Um, Never really got into Star Trek, but I can appreciate where people enjoy those things. Um, that took us on a, a whole different path, right? Which is fine. I, I, that's the best part about these interviews is that we can you haven't asked off. me the one question that I did see on Twitter that was like a standard question that you're supposed to ask. I'm getting there. Oh, you are okay. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 No there's a couple more questions and then i'm getting there okay i'm getting there but i put thought behind that answer (laughs) and then i wasn't gonna ask you (laughs) so um we know what we would want the the phil action figure to say but what accessories would it come with what's funny is i think i got asked this question like years ago and i feel like i had the right like I want these things with me. And now I couldn't tell you a damn thing that I would want with me. Um, r- random thing. And when I say this, I am so inexperienced. So please, nobody challenge me to this because I would lose horribly. Um, I actually was trained in tonfas, which are um, um, like nightsticks, like police nightsticks. Um, I never used them in wrestling, though, which like, why didn't I do that? Um, but like, so me, combat me, back of mind, that is a skill that set that I have. Um, I don't know. Part of me is like, when I got into wrestling training, I wanted to be the high flyer guy. Like I wanted to learn all of that. And my trainer was like, oh, you don't need that. And I'm like, and again, remember what I said earlier too, that I realized after I left training, like, oh, that it was a bad training. And I realized later, like, because he couldn't do any of that. That's why I didn't learn it. Um, and I'm not even talking, and like, when I got into wrestling, the high flying stuff was a little bit different. So I'm not saying like all the th- amazing things that you're seeing some people do because I could never do that then. Um, but um, so I always relied on just I had that conscious thought of like, OK, what else can I do? And I had by that point, I had competed in, in judo and amateur wrestling. And I was like, 
I have that skill that I can rely on and I can go back to that. And so I started to incorporate like grappling stuff. So for me, it's like, I really didn't don't have a thing I per se bring with me. Um, like now I've started like revolver. Like I always come out with a hat um, and typically have a coat uh, on. And so like now I would say if you wanted manager fill, like that would be an accessory item, the coat and the, and the hat, um, like the military style coat, and military style hat. Like now that's a part of who I am. Um, but that hasn't always been a part of me. And then, so like, that's what I'm stuck on. I was like, I just relied on wrestling. Wrestling. Woo. I had the, I had the early two thousands, like hookah shell necklace for a while. Um, and then like the metal bead necklace, I had that. Um, but yeah, like, uh, um, for a minute. So I, I worked for a company in North Carolina called AIWF. Um, they had uh they have a, a annual event every year it's called deal with oh i might be, oh i'm gonna be wrong about this i think it's called deal and deal with the steel and every match is a steel cage match but there's a another gimmick associated with it and so my uh first year i i did this it was uh, a two ring eight man money in the piggy bank ladder match and there was a pink pig pinata that hang from the hang hung from the cage that then I could cash in for any match I wanted. I won that match and I carried that damn pink pig pinata for a year. And so like that is part of my wrestling journey and I want that pink pig pinata. Perfect. That can be like a chase item. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So um, what is the wrestling word that you use most outside of wrestling? Like gimmick is too easy. I think I, I think kayfabe actually. <laughs> I remember I, I remember accidentally one time I, I like I said kayfabe at work and I was like, context. The word kayfabe means like I like had to define it. Um, ooh, I don't remember what it was, but I remember my, it was my boss and she was like, "We gotta not tell our coworker this thing." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll keep it kayfabe." And I was like, "I said that out loud." Okay. <laughs> Um. <laughs> fun see i love asking people that question because um it usually comes with a really good story um where they're like yeah i've had to explain to people what x y or z is yeah and that always just makes me happy oddly enough when i've brought in the word gimmick i guess there's just enough context to understand like it means anything. the thing in the moment right? it can mean anything so it literally means the thing in the moment so it's like people just like roll with it whenever I use the word gimmick. Nice. I feel like the, the expression what a work has expressed my, <laughs> has come expressed from my lips at times. Yeah, like clearly I'm not, nor have I ever been a wrestler. But um, since I've been involved with my local company and all of my friends at this point are wrestlers or wrestling adjacent in some way. Mm -hmm. um, I have picked up on all of this and I don't intentionally do it, but sometimes um, I'll ask people if they're telling something. I was like, was like instead of saying, Oh, for real. I'd be like, is that a, is that a work? Is that a shoot? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Legit. 
Like <laughs> I use <laughs> like legit is not a wrestling word, but I kind of replace it for the word shoot. So I'm like, legit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's funny how that like those little like bits and pieces of like that specific culture and like word set like just infiltrates every I, part of you <laughs> i feel like at different times i have taken on the phrases or mannerisms of different people like i'll i'll like a, something they use and i i'll realize later like oh my gosh i'm totally like replicating what they do how they do what they say something and the, like it isn't until i have the conscious recognition that i'm like i need to not do that <laughs> Or like you start saying something ironically and then you're like, oh no, now I'm saying it unironically. Um, for those of us who know DJ Hyde, um, there's a lot of mannerisms that we make fun of him for doing. But like, I will say in my case, just specific to me, like he would just go, well, Phil. And like, so there's times <laughs> that like, I'll literally rephrase something to myself and I'm like, well, Phil. <laughs> The voice of DJ Hyde will guide you. Oh God, no! <laughs> Just say no. Um, there, there is a promoter, and like that name is 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 blackballed for me ever saying it near her. Like she will not let me utter those words. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know that you drive to different events, a lot of of time in the car mm -hmm. so what do you like to listen to what is your go-to like um i rotate i find you know even when i get fixated on one particular thing then like in a few months i have to change to something else uh so i am listening to a lot of um uh there's a podcast called uh scared to death um it's a from a comedian named dan cummins and his wife Lindsay. Um, I originally got into him because he also, and it's, it's all creepypasta stories. Um, and so the way I got into them was because he also has a true crime and true history one called Time Suck, where he, you know, picks either like a serial killer or a particular moment in history and will just, here's facts. Like, here's just stuff about it. Um, uh, I, <laughs> um, and then like, I would sort of pick off from there for a while. Like I would get into true crime and, and, you know, would go into last last podcast on the left or like how did this get made or um welcome to night Vale, which by the way amazing episodic podcast um oh my god i feel bad like uh um there's another one i'm listening to right now i have a subscription to it and now i can't remember the name of it um it's another creepypasta like one so right now i think i'm on like the creepypasta kick um i when i got into the true crime kick for a minute when i when i had a favorite serial killer i was like <laughs> I and it wasn't even I like he was my favorite serial killer. The situation around it was like because the police really screwed up a lot repeatedly over and over. And I was like, this is insane. Like the circumstance of all of this is insane. And it's been it was a uh, I, part of me is like, I don't even want to say who, but like there was a serial killer in the 70s and and it's 50 years later and like one of the victims that survived um, is like shamed by her family. And I'm like, I don't, oh, she's just looking to get something out of it. I'm like, 
the first interview she gave after the incident was 50 years after it happened. Like she didn't like write a tell all book. She didn't like get like a life biopic. Like she waited and didn't live in the same town. And then like finally a newspaper went to her and 50 years afterwards, she gives an interview, 45 years maybe gives an interview and like her family speaks on it was like she yeah she's just looking for the attention she survived a serial killer who was at the time the most prolific serial killer in the united states like what like the the randomness about this particular story like and at that point i was like i need to not be paying attention to true crime stories right now i need i need mental distance but that was just the green river no it was uh dean coral he was called the candy man Um, oh okay uh yeah, so like that, I just, I was like, I need distance. <laughs> um, I mean, and and Dan was g- is good about it because it isn't just like, it is a lot of fact, 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 but he also inserts a little bit of humor. He is a, com- a stand-up comedian. And so like one of, another one of the serial killers he's talked about was a, a Russian serial killer named Andre Chikatilo. And he makes a Andre Chikatilo voice and like, it kills me every time he does it. And it's like, I can't, I can't, like, I can't be like this, the, the humorness of this and the seriousness of what the person did i'm like shouldn't coexist in my brain right now so like i had this was just a me thing i was like i gotta i gotta separate this out like I gotta, like not let this be part of my being i'm a andre gigatillo and i'm like <laughs> no no <laughs> so when you're on the road and you're driving like i am a snackosaurus rex so what are your go-to snacks? Like, I love snacks. What are your, like, go-to snacks? And then I will judge them harshly. Um, Probably not. Now, <laughs> for context, remember, I have a weird, weird stomach. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I actually, on, on event days, I typically don't eat a lot um, just because my stomach gets weird. Um, but I love king-size uh, uh, Reese cups. Um the peanut butter kills my stomach. So like I always do it. It has to be after an event before I can have them. <laughs> um, so th- I would say those, even when I know they're going to hurt me, like I still have to get them. Um, that is probably my biggest go-to, honestly. Like every now and again, I'll, you know, grab something here or there, but like that is probably my biggest singular go-to. Good to know. You can't really, I mean, go wrong with peanut butter and chocolate. I'll be honest about it. Right. Now, okay, let's pair, let's rephrase that one because let's. I have a lot of family that likes to cook. Like I said, my dad's one of nine kids, and they all think they know how to make like the homemade like Easter egg, the chocolate Easter egg with peanut butter inside. And I don't know what they do to the chemical composition of the chocolate and the peanut butter, but it is many of them make it the most foul tasting thing I've ever ate in my entire life. And I'm like, I don't what did you do? <laughs> and I don't, I don't know what they've done. Um, but no, <laughs> so I do have to disagree that it is not, it is not as easy apparently as it, as we all feel. So I've seen like recipes for like copycat, like Reese's or whatever. And it's usually peanut butter and powdered sugar. That makes sense. Um, but I, I don't even remember what I was watching. I'm, I watch a lot of Food Network, so it could have been roughly anything. Um, but apparently, um, Skippy peanut butter is the most like closely 
related. Okay. That it would make the best dupe. Huh. I don't maybe know if I it's will. true. I'm like, maybe I have to try. I've never um, experimented with it. Go hurt your stomach all you want trying to figure this out. <laughs> um, don't come back to me on that. Like, that's all you. Fair. But Fair. That, I mean, that's just what I've been told. Um, it's funny because like my favorite work snack, I love, I love green grapes. Like I will buy a pack of green grapes and just like, but that's my actually now that I'm thinking about it, tomorrow that's probably what I'm gonna get because I feel like I've been munching way too much lately so like I have to tone it down so like I'll be munching on green grapes tomorrow. Grape day. <laughs> uh, do you have any hidden talents? Ooh. Um <laughs> my was like, yes, and then I'm like, I can't name a single one of them right now. Um, None of my talents are hidden. Like, right. they're all outward I talents. Am, I am the talent. Oh, there you go. That's a phrase. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mentioned this before. I've done a lot of acting work. I've done some voiceover work, um, and that people, do, many people, don't know about. Um, I I am the voice of a phone system somewhere. I'm not going to say where, um, but I'm the voice of a phone system, and one day I actually answered the phones at this place and they were, <laughs> I threw everybody who called off, like totally like you could hear it in their voice. Like they couldn't get their, their thoughts together. And one of them thought like they were still talking to the recording. And then, <laughs> and then another one was like, wait, wait, hold on. Like, is it a real person every time? <laughs> were you the same person? I'm like, yeah, that's me. I'm sorry. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean to confuse you. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, shoot. Um, I used to be able to play the piano. I cannot really pay, play the piano anymore. Uh, I used to play the clarinet. I cannot play the clarinet anymore because um, it's just it's just been so long. Um, my my ability to speak French, even like now, I'm at a point where I can only understand little quips here and there. But I can I, that at least gives me sometimes context of a conversation, even if I don't understand the words. Um, but not enough, not enough to talk to somebody I know in wrestling. Like, like I need a translator. <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think of, of, sorry, I, I, I moved my room around my office around the other, uh, this weekend. And like, I found something that I think is part of a costume and I have no idea what it is. Like I have n no clue at all. What I thought it was like a tie tack at first. And I'm like, I don't know why there's this thing. Seriously, like I have is it like an clue. earring? Uh, no, it's it is a solid bar of a thing. Sort okay. of a solid. It looks like there, it might fit into a slot of something, and then this little pendant that looks like a butterfly. Yeah, I kind of got butterfly vibes. I have no idea what this is too, but I had a costume box because acting, and so I I think it might be part of like a Victorian costume thing. Well, um, when this goes up to for people to watch, identify you know this. What the <laughs> what? hell that is. Right. It's going to come back and be something horribly embarrassing that I know nothing Tweet about. Tweet it, Phil. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I uh, the horrible context of I I don't necessarily understand all innuendo. Like uh, that's an amazing context, uh, amazing hidden talent. Uh, said no one ever. <laughs> so, what would you go back and tell a ten-year-old version of yourself? If you could go back in time and talk to a little Phil. You know what? Instead of going to college, here's some things to invest in and don't ever <laughs> take the money out. Um, uh, uh, someone I went to college with, his brother was one of the first people who put money into um, um, Bitcoin. And like, this is when I'm talking like when Bitcoin was like a hundredth of a penny and bought like thousands of dollars worth of Bitcoin. And then had the audacity to go on and become a software engineer and didn't need the money from Bitcoin. So it's still sitting there. How? Like, like had that foresight, had the money somehow to do that. Uh, but yeah, I tell, I tell young Phil, like, hey, hey, Phil, this thing called cryptocurrency is going to happen. You, you want it. <laughs> you want a lot of it. Um, Tesla is a thing. Get out, get out in like about two, 2019, but Tesla's a thing. Um, I think I think I would give my, my past self investment advice. Because um, life advice, you know, the, the mistakes, the mistakes I've made I, or lessons I've learned, I think are important to the person I am today, even if I hated them at the time and still hate some of them to this day. Um, some of it I think I had to live with and 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 deal with and go through. Um, I, I am somebody who does believe in a little bit of, it's going to sound weird because it's going to be contradictive, but I believe in, I believe that everybody has free will, but I believe that everybody's fated. So I also, so I believe like you have the freedom of your own choice, but that there is a force out there um, that is leading you. And I will say there was a period of my life where I felt like I went away from where I was supposed to be fated. And I felt it in my core being. And there was a time then when I got to the next place in my life and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, like every fiber of my being, like being so unsure about a brand new, like you know, if you've ever gone to a new job, you know what it's like. Like, oh, is this the right place? I don't know. And like everything inside of me was like, this is the right place and where I'm supposed to be. Um, and uh, because of my other field and some, I, I do have a part of one of my degrees is in psychology. So it's like, I have taken what they call a personality type indicator. Um, and I, uh, it judges, you know, are you an extrovert, introvert? Are you, uh, thinking or feeling, are do you have intuition or sensing? Um, are you perceiving or judging? And, uh, my intuition compared to all of them is like ridiculously off the charts. Um, compared to all of the other numbers. My, my, my uh, perception is also not super high, but, but I would say what, what's normal. My, my introvert extrovert doesn't know what it's doing. And my, my, um, um, my sensing and thinking don't know what they're doing either. They're both like a one every time I've taken it. But I always get the same exact, I always get the same result. Um, even if the questions are changed on where I rank, my, my E is low, my F is low, my N is like through the roof. And I never listen to my intuition. And almost every time my intuition is right. So maybe young Phil would be told, listen to your intuition. It's okay. Like if your gut is, trust your gut. Like, and what um, I do have in my office life, I do have staff 
and I do train them. And I, I, one of the things I tell them, we talk about like security awareness and then, you know, safety and stuff. And one of the things I say is like, trust your gut. If you, you know, you're going to come to know the place you work, the place you are going to spend most of your time, you're going to know the traffic in that space. If something doesn't feel right or look right, you're probably right. Trust your instinct on that and pay attention to what it's trying to tell you and then be observant about what's going on in your environment. Um, and so I would probably tell young, young Phil that. Pay attention to what's going on around you and trust your gut. If something doesn't look right or feel right, you're probably right. So just have a couple more fun questions and then um I, I feel like I got super serious there for a moment. So yeah, fun question. Yay. Fun questions. Woo. So um you and I used to talk sometimes in spaces. Mm -hmm. Um and a question that would come up frequently in spaces, not like that question. I not that question. I know I think I know what you're thinking. Not that question. I don't know what I don't know. But what is the biggest animal that you could take in a fight with just your hands, no weapons? And you can pretend it's attacking you so you're not attacking a defenseless animal. Oh, okay. Um, I, thought you, <laughs> I thought you wanted me to like pantomime for a second. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, out. if you want to, um, but no, that's not, what I was, not where I was going on this. The weirdest one I thought I was going to have to one time was a full grown deer, like with antlers. Um, uh, uh, was that my, my grandparents, when they retired, they built a house in the, in the mountains. And I was, it was, I was up in the morning and I was going out to my car and a deer was nearby and I didn't see it right away. And it jumped up on its hind legs. And I was like, I'm about to punch a deer. Like, <laughs> I was like, what else do you do? Like, it's going to hit you. And I reared back and it just dropped back to its feet and, and walked away. And I was like, okay. Um, meanwhile, my neighbors had what, uh, a Northumberland dog. Um, I think I'm probably mispronouncing it. I think it's called a Northumberland. They're the size of a small bear. Um, freakish, like large and very hairy and like seemingly very friendly. Seemingly. And it would come up and all nice and like sort of like smell you and check you out and then wants to bite your friggin' hand off. Like, so like there's part of me that was like, I could take a dog. No. No, there's some dogs. <laughs> no. You can take a specific breed of dog. Right, right. Certain dog. <laughs> but that dog, no. <laughs> so I can't, I, like, I honestly can't say I'd, fight a, I'd be able to fight all dogs. I can't fight all dogs. Maybe like a Bichon. Right. <laughs> um, so this is a question that um, always comes from our VIP, Vic, who always asks, and so I specifically stated that I, I've actually incorporated it into my questions for the recorded interviews that we do, because he always asks that Vic is a wonderful supporter of the Ball Monkeys um, and independent wrestling. And I super appreciate um, having him in our chats. And he always asks this. I'm going to, in turn, ask this to you. Mm. Who has the best gear of all time? So, of course, it's me. So I have to give a complicated answer. Um, <laughs> so, um, a gear I hated, like very upfront hated because it turns into a gear I really like. Um, when Jeff Jarrett had like the one long leg tights and then the other leg, I think just had trunks. I thought it was a horrible look. I, I didn't like it for him. I don't think it worked for the kind of wrestler he was. I don't think it worked for him. Um, I then had a friend later, uh, um, uh, my, I want to say his real name. Sorry. Jason Collins, um, wore that look and I was like, Oh, it looks good on him. 
Will Ospreay did that look, but his was like one full leg. And then the other leg was like, I think more like biker singlet length. And uh, it had like flat, like a design on it. And then flags came off of it. And so it was like flags from all the different countries that he had wrestled in um, as part of the design. And I was like, this is friggin' cool. And it made me think of um, about 15 years ago, um, Alex Shelley used to have this pair of gear um, that had like the American flag is incorporated as part of the design. And I was like, to me, that was like the next evolution was this Will Ospreay version. Um, and Will also had another uh, variant of that design, but it was like a Spider-Man print. And I was like, that was really cool. Um, and yes, I'm a Spider-Man fan. So it's like, that helps too. And like Trey Miguel right now is crushing it with his gear. Um, I'm a bit of a gearhead. I'm like, this stuff looks really friggin' cool. Um, but like, I think of somebody like a carver of Cutter's Alley. Um, and and <laughs> Val, you know, as you and I have had some conversations about Carver, and you know, I will I will freely admit I'm a little bit of a carver stand. Like, I'm okay with that because the look at Carver, just look, and the emotion you get right away, and the feeling you get right away is so pervasive and it, it's like it strikes the right chord it fits what he's doing like to me like that is just as important as as everything else that happens in wrestling and, and when i start to think of other people's gear it's like if i just saw them in a ring without any context or understanding of who they were does do i get it and carver i get it like and to have been in a match with Carver and you, when you see that look coming towards you, you have that little blip in your brain that's like, what, what is happening right now? Um, is, this a, is this real life? Like, like it, There is that little blip that happens because it, is so, it hits that right there. And I think that is part of, like for Carver, I think that's why fans dig him um, the way they do. And why more people aren't booking Carver, I don't understand. Because he hits that right he hits the right emotional chord. He hits the right look. He has the vibe. I mean, it's a serial killer coming at you. And you easily understand it's a serial killer coming at you very, very quickly. Um, and, and so, like, for me, that gear works for that, for that reason. Aesthetically, I can look at other gear, too, and be like, this looks cool. The Trey gear is friggin' cool. The, the Will Osprey. I don't like Will's gear now. To be honest, I don't. The the gear that he had, I really, I really dug. Right now, I think Trey is is absolutely killer. So I, when you were talking about Carver, um, one of the things that you hit on, like kind of like as I was thinking about it, was like you look at Carver and you know exactly what he's doing, what his deal is. Yeah. You know, there's no. I mean, the occasional swinging of a chain or carrying an axe doesn't doesn't hurt either, but. There's you, there's no question about what you are getting into when you see Carver. And also, um, you know, I know that you had a match with him. I have never and hope I will never um, have to face Carver in that fashion. But um, he has looked at me before, and I was very terrified in that moment, yes. There was a moment in our match. Um... He glanced in my general direction once, and I was like, Right. That first vibe when you're when you're like facing off is is like hit in a way that I was not expecting. And then we're we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting. And we're we end up outside at one point in our fight. 
Um, I'm very upset that this match is not released yet. And I keep reminding this promoter that I'm desperately wanting to see this match. Um, I literally get my ass handed to me for like 10, 15 minutes, but I loved the match. Um, well, there's a moment where we're, we, we, he's beat me up. He's literally bashed my head up against the side of a car a couple of times. And I'm sitting on the ground, like out of it. And he puts, and I, I, I feel his presence. And he just like sits down next to me. And I'm like, what is he doing? And he puts my head in his lap and he just starts petting my head. And it was like, what the hell is going on here? What the hell is going on? Danger, danger. I got to go. <laughs> like, like, so there is a vibe that is, it comes off of him that like, it, it cannot be easily replicated. And I absolutely advocate for more people to take a look at him and what he is doing and book Carver. Hashtag book Carver. There you go. And if I didn't say that, he'd, he'd probably hurt me. I mean, fair. Uh, how do you take your pancakes? Ooh, I like, I like them a little thinner. Um, not to the point of crispy. I think I was a little too much. But like the big fluffy ones, I can't. They soak up all the stuff. And like I, it's too big. And like I, I want to be able to like get the butter and get a little bit of syrup. Um, I like more butter than syrup. Uh, that has changed over time as a little kid. Like, you know, it had to be layered, like smothered in, in, in um, syrup. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty basic. I don't do all the, I don't do all the fruit. Um, I don't do the Cool Whip or whipped cream. Um, just thinner pancakes with butter and syrup. Okay. Okay. How do you like yours? Depends on um, my mood. Okay. Uh, go to just like, you know, your standard buttermilk pancake with just syrup. Um, if I'm feeling fancy, um, I do like to get pancakes from different places. Um, and I like to try different types of pan pancakes. Um, this weekend I had pancakes at Denny's. They had like some strawberry, it was like some like vanilla stuff and then some like strawberries and strawberry sauce. Super good. Okay. Um, that was quite a delight. Um, I do love a good like cinnamon roll pancake. That sounds good, actually. Yeah, it's like they take a cinnamon roll and, and make it into a pancake. Um, yeah, so a little bit of blue cacao in your pancake batter, and a touch of cinnamon with a little bit of vanilla extract is amazing. Hmm. For someone who doesn't drink that much, I cook with a lot of alcohol. Like I don't drink it all, so um, I make. I make a whiskey cake that people would kill for. Um, and <laughs> it, it gets, when I make it for my office. To get it's, lit? It's a fun time. Um, and it, it all started because someone gave me a piece of whiskey cake that they bought from a church bake sale. And I'm in my office. I had not eaten that day. And it was like 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. And I take what was basically a shot size slice of whiskey cake. And like I'm sitting there like 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, and I'm like, whoo, wow, what is hit? Oh, oh, um, yeah, keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I learned how to make it and, and it's probably one of the, my favorite things to make um, that a lot of other people seem to enjoy as well. Nice, noted. 
uh, Tracy Elena, who is known in, uh, like, especially in the Ohio area um, in wrestling, uh, whenever I bake something, she's like, I want you to take pictures. <laughs> um, um, so she has seen, like, my, my red velvet bourbon chocolate chip cookies. Um, that is also a strong staple. Um, I mean, I make the, th- I make the three ingredient peanut butter cookies, like, but I, but I have to make them with a Hershey kiss. Uh, so people, I know people call them all sorts of different things, but I, I don't know what to call them. Peanut butter with the Hershey kiss. Um, um, I make what, okay. Okay. I don't know how we got onto this, but we're going to talk about food for half a second. Um, I'm a fat girl. I love to talk about food. So. <laughs> I don't know why I'm still playing with this thing. I have no idea what this is. Um, just, keep, just keep handling it. <laughs> so, and God only knows. Um, so as a kid, um, my grandmother, um, she was, uh, my, my mother's mother um, was from the South, but she was what I would call like, she was the refined Southern lady. So she would just sit there and she would be kind and patient. And like, she was just, she was just so reserved. But at holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, especially, you would walk in um, and the entrance door was um, the dining room. You walk in and the dining room table would be covered with desserts. And one of my favorite was real Rice Krispie treats. And let me, let me clarify what I mean by real. You make these rice, I've, I now almost from memory know how to make these Rice Krispie treats. Um, you take peanut butter, and uh, caro syrup, um, cl- the, the clear caro syrup, you uh, heat it low on a saucepan, you mix it up, you blend in your Rice Krispies, you put it in a large bowl or, you know, large pan or whatever. Um, then you take in a double boiler, a bag of chocolate chips and about a third of a bag of butterscotch chips, melt them all together and then layer that on top of the Rice Krispie treats. So these, uh, I've heard people call them uh, butterscotch, like Scotties, I think I've heard them call them. So I'm in the Midwest, and we call those a Scotcheroo here. Okay. That's what I grew up knowing as a Rice Krispie treat. Oh. I was like 18 years old the first time I saw one in the wild. Um, and like, I, I, oddly enough, it was at a convenience store near my grandparents' house. And so I go to this convenience store and I grab one off the shelf and I'm like, ah, be, you know, I just want to munch. And I open up the thing. And I was like, oh, it doesn't have like the chocolate on it. I'm sure it'll taste this fine. And I bit into it. I'm like, what is this? What is this buttery, sugary thing that doesn't have the flavor of a real Rice Krispie treat? So to me, a real Rice Krispie treat is cooked with the peanut butter inside of it and the syrup and sugar. I forgot there is sugar too. And it's all blended together. It hardens a little bit more that way too. And then you put all the butter, the chocolate, the butterscotch, and it is the most amazing thing ever. And I tell people about this and they think I'm crazy. And then I make it for them and they're like, what is, this is not a Rice Krispie treat. And I'm like, yes, it is. It's the only thing that should be called a Rice Krispie treat ever. So like I said, uh, here we have those, we call them scotcheroos. I think you can get them at Casey's. I know there's a Casey's mm-hmm. by the event I have, center. I have, I have tried them. They're they're passable. They're better than Sheets's version of them. They're not. Fit. They're almost there. But they're not there. So so I'm gonna tell you. My mom, love my mom. She'll probably watch this at some point. My mom usually watches my stuff because she's sweetheart. Awesome. Um, 
my mom makes a bar that is similar to a scotch roll um except for she doesn't use rice krispies she uses like special k okay and it is on god the best thing like every time i give them people people are just like they love them it like my mom is like locally known for them like she makes them for everything wow but they're super good um you don't eat them by the piece you eat them by the row and fair (laughs) fair so if you want to go out on a limb try it Mm. i'm like will i have access to a kitchen while i'm in iowa (laughs) but then that means i'm gonna have to cook for everybody i'm not doing that Uh. no no just 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 me and you okay okay. everyone else can suck it (laughs) Um, now you made me totally lose my train of thought. Um, but yeah, those, those are, I remember what I was going to say now. So, Reese's, let, hear me, Reese's. You had a protein bar, which was the best thing ever because though you, though you're Reese's and you used your peanut butter as the, as the thing because, you know, you're Reese's, I get it. And you had, the cereal pieces that you can't call Rice Krispies because you're Reese's. So you had the cereal pieces. Um, puffed rice. <laughs> of, of puffed rice covered in, in the Reese's peanut butter with a layer of chocolate that you made into the best protein bar I've ever had in my entire existence. And now you don't make them anymore. I want them back. <laughs> I, I am begging. I can't, I, because of my weird stomach stuff, I can't stay on the protein I'm currently taking. So I, and I'm also, because of my stomach, weird stomach stuff, I'm also horribly protein deficient. So I have to take protein. Um, I I can't take any more of the protein I'm having. And I really want better tasting protein stuff. Protein stuff tastes just fucking terrible. Right. Like every now and again, I get like a good one. And then of course I can never remember his name or find it again. So, but like, I want that backwards. It's really good. <laughs> Cause they were like they were like Scott Drews. <laughs> so I'm gonna take you on like a little journey. So like just come on the journey with me. I know that you will. So I'm, I'm here with imagine, you. imagine that you're at the store and you're oh, hungry people. and you're looking for something sweet and you're Ooh. like swinging down the aisles and you go down the cookie aisle and you're like, who doesn't love cookies? And so you're looking at all the cookies and you don't want chocolate chip or peanut butter or oatmeal raisin. You want America's favorite cookie, which is the Oreo. So you go to the section oh, with mm. all the Oreos. Mm. You go to the section with all the Oreos and you take, okay. you don't take any of like the flavored ones. You just want your OG like chocolate cookie, white cream center Oreo. But you, you still have options because you can get like the thin Oreos or you can get like the regular Oreos. Or you can get like the double stuff or you can get like the mega stuff. Like how stuffed you get in. Uh, okay, I have I. I'm not a big Oreo fan, and I think because that, like, I think I had so many as a kid, I was Oreoed out. And the interview, no, I'm kidding. Right, because <laughs> I thought what you were gonna say. I don't know why this popped in my brain. Because at first I was like, if I'm going down a cookout, I'm getting chocolate cookies. But caveat to that is El Fudge Stripe cookies. Like, 
damn. Um, like, um, I'll even one up that. I'll because I'm a Maryland boy. I will support my Maryland business. Um, there is a cookie. They're called Burger Cookies. Burger is the the family's name that has made these cookies for like 160 years. Um, they take a shortbread cookie and they dip it in fudge. Um, and so it is just this amazing fudge shortbread cookie. Um, and I think, I don't want to say the wrong name. There is a, a large brand name company that tried to steal their recipe that is actively selling a version of their own of this cookie, and it doesn't, doesn't touch it. So a burger cookie, and I'm holding my hand like this because they are big, like shortbread dipped in fudge cookie. Uh, like there are bells ringing <laughs> those are amazing i do go i do go double stuff because let's face it even if i had a two regular oreo cookies i'm taking off the ends of two of them i will eat them and then i will blend it together and make one giant little oreo so it might as well be a double stuff but i if i get a double stuff i have to make it a double stuff if it's a mega stuff okay i'm fine if it's a double stuff i have to double it so that is the unofficial correct answer to the question. Congratulations, you have won. I don't know what you won, but you won. Um, double stuffed is the correct stuff to cookie ratio. I, again, I, pr I pride myself in being a strong baker. I, I cannot decorate to save my life, but I'm a strong baker. Um, the very first attempt I ever made to make a cheesecake um, was to make a... a red velvet swirl cheesecake my first one ever to make try to ever do cheesecake period and i'm like i want to make a red velvet swirl cheesecake because my brain and the crust is made of oreo cookies not just crumbled not just the cookie crust the cookie the cookie layer of the yeah oreo. like the crushed cookie it is the actual whole oreo placed in the pan and where you have holes in, in from the double stuff Oreo that you use, you get the Oreo minis and they fit inside the holes in between where the double stuff sits. And it because it then melts down because of the, the, the cream in the cookie, it then creates a layer barrier of, of a crust for the cheesecake. Oh. Damn. Like, I will well, say... That is a strong crust. <laughs> that sounds hefty. I failed miserably at the cheesecake part the first two times I tried, but the crust I got I got pretty on. I mean, except for the fact that it was like a brick. It was pretty on. <laughs> so what do you have coming up? What do you want to promote? Promote upcoming shows, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, OnlyFans, TikTok, merch, whatever you have. I want to hear it all. So you can follow me on all social media except OnlyFans. I do not have an OnlyFans. At Trust and Phil. So that's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Snapchat. I feel like I'm forgetting something. At Trust in Phil. Um, I'm not knocking OnlyFans. I'm just saying I don't have an OnlyFans. Um, so follow me. Any, any of those on social media. Trust and Phil. Um, you can also find me this coming Saturday, uh, July 9th at Wrestling Revolver. That's at Horizon Event Center in Clive, Iowa. It's really Des Moines. We want you there. We want you there. You can also watch live on Fight. Also, because I am the president of wrestling, 
So also this Saturday is MCW Pro Wrestling in Harvard Grace, Maryland at the State Theater at the same time. I'm at Wrestling Revolver. Come to Wrestling Revolver. We want to see you out in Iowa. But if you're in Maryland, I understand MCW Pro Wrestling at Harvard of Grace. Um, then, uh, oh, um, I have so, I'm looking at my calendar because I will forget stuff if I don't actually like look at it. And I have an event on here that got canceled. Other event that you know who you are. So you're making me stay in Iowa a day longer than I thought it was going to be. Anyway, sorry, love you. Um, then on the 23rd is one of the most prestigious tournaments in professional wrestling, especially in independent wrestling. Um, it's MCW Pro Wrestling's Shamrock Cup. And we're returning um, to our original home, the MCW Arena or the RJ Meyer Arena um, in Joppa, Maryland. It's 1000 Joppa Farm Road in Joppa, Maryland. I have memorized this address because it's so easy to memorize. 1000 Joppa Farm Road in Joppa, Maryland, MCW Pro Wrestling, the Shane Shamrock Memorial Cup Tournament. Um, so many people that you are going to know are in it. Please make sure you check it out, mcwprowrestling.com. Um, and then I end the month uh, with High Tension Wrestling making its debut in Reading, Pennsylvania on the 30th. And then on the 31st, it's Honorary Wrestling Federation in Lewistown, Pennsylvania. So I have a lot of things that are coming up um, for the rest of July. This weekend, of course, check out Wrestling Revolver because look, there's Sammy Callahan, uh, Eddie Edwards, and Sh Swerve Strickland. I've, I always want to call him Shane Strickland. I'm sorry. I knew him as Shane before I knew him as Swerve. Um, then we got, oh, look, who's this guy? Oh, look, it's John Moxley. Um, oh, look, it's it's Ruby Riot. Oh, hey, hey, uh, Ruby Soho now, sorry. Um, oh, and hey, look, that's Gail Kim. And oh, hey, look, that's Rich Swan And so much more talent. Um, are, so many more people. So many people. Um, <clears throat> I can say from going to a couple of Revolver shows, um, definitely y'all don't uh, skimp out on talent or matches. Um, there's always like you, you, there's always stuff announced and I'm always like, that's a lot. And then there's always like more. Oh yeah. <laughs> and um, you have Dan, the dad versus man scout. You have Jessica Havoc versus Ali catch. You have Jake Chris versus Mance Warner in a bunkhouse brawl. You have Zachary Wentz returning versus Blake Christian versus Crash Jackson. You have the Revolver Tag Team Champions, uh, POS, Steve Macklin and Weston Blake versus Matt Taven. Uh, Matt Taven. I always say Taven, sorry. Uh, and Mike Bennett. You have Speedball Mike Bailey, the new Impact X Division Champion versus One Called Manders. You I'm have excited for that one. I knew you would be. I saw, I saw you <laughs> grinning as I was about yeah. to say Ruby Soho versus Billy Starks. And like this was this was for real. Like the in one of the like most touching moments I've ever seen in pro wrestling. Like we had Roby Roby. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was trying to say Ruby and Soho at the same time. Um Ruby um cut a promo to call out Billy without Billy knowing that we were gonna be playing this promo. Aww. And she was trying to get out of the ring, and I can't remember if it was the ring announcer or the ref or like you need you need to stay <laughs> um, and you just need to stay. Um, and so like, she didn't know it was coming. And that was like, that was just a really cool thing. Um, then we have John Moxley and, and Sammy Callahan versus Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards. So the reunion of the switchblades against the wolves. Um, then you have, I mean, you know, the match that, you know, might be a little important to me <clears throat> as you know the unit 
the two-time Revolver World Champion, JT Dunn, along with Infrared, Tyler Matrix, and Logan James. I will be bringing them out to the ring. I will be with them at ringside for the Cage of Horrors match as they take on the crew of Swer Swerve Strickland, Rich Swan, and Matthew Palmer. If Matthew Palmer doesn't make it out of Texas, I'm totally fine. I hate Matthew Palmer. I really like... Have you ever seen the movie Clue, by the way? Like, That's one of my favorite movies, yes. Clue is my favorite movie of all time. And like, there's a scene with Mrs. White, totally ad-lib scene, where she's like, fl flames, flame, flames on the side of my face, heating, heating breath, seething, burning. Like, that is Matthew Palmer in my brain every time I see him. And now he's, now he's a monster hunter. I, th I think I have the same cloak in my costume bag. I'm just saying. Dusty wig, Matthew Palmer. Maybe he can make use of your thingy that you found. See, there's things I want to say right now, and I have to be very careful because when I say things, sometimes people are like, so you mean this thing, right? And so, like, I did just tell you that, like, I'm a huge, gigantic, like, Carver of Cutter Alley's stand, and, like, why no one has booked the Carver of Cutter at Cutter's Alley versus the monster hunter Matthew Palmer, I don't know because people are not wanting to make money. I think that literally is match the monster hunter Matthew Palmer versus Carver of Cutter's Alley makes money. I'm just, I'm just saying. Mm. He's, he's not, he's not gonna, he's not a part of this match. Like he's not, mm. like genuinely not. I, I might want him to be, but he's not. Mm. Um, I just think, but this match is gonna be. I feel really bad because, like, I'm gonna be killed that I am not putting over just this match alone. But like, I can't stand Matthew Palmer and the thought of like maybe like he, I don't know, has another accident. Is, is fine, is fine. And, you know, since we've talked a little bit about a serial killer that we both know, that's fine. I mean. I mean, cause it, it, it's not like the last time we had a Cage of Horrors match that Matthew Palmer wasn't in the match at all and then showed up dressed as a referee and, and pulled off the shirt and got the pinfall was doing nothing in the match. I'm over it. I'm over it. You, yeah, I can totally see where you wouldn't maybe hire Harbor somebody. Some resentment and maybe not want to ever see Matthew Palmer again. Maybe, you know, hire somebody to facilitate that. Pure speculation on my part. I don't know I mean, anything. But if I'm fair, <laughs> I made that offer to some people at Metroplex Wrestling down in Texas and, you know, Matthew Palmer made it past every single one of them them um i mean carver would make geographic sense at the, at the same time like can you control a serial killer like carver to do what you want him to do like that's it a could, that's a it could backfire in a very that's a dangerous way. risk and like like we, we've already said like i i had a match with him and it didn't go well for me so i don't know what i could do to tempt him but so maybe in this, he needs a new skin apron. 
made of red velvet. Mm. Um, so in this Cage of Horrors match, the real main event of Revolver's I Don't Know event called Cage of Horrors, not listed like number two, like Sammy Callahan has put it on the website, the Cage of Horrors match between Swerve Strickland, Rich Swan, and Monster Hunter Matthew Palmer versus the unit, the two-time Revolver world champion, JT Dunn, and infrared of Tyler Matrix and Logan James with me at their side, at ringside, watching this match in person and the mayhem that's going to occur in front of this entire crowd this coming Saturday is going to be every dream I want realized in professional wrestling, all rolled up into one match called Cage of Horrors. And it's going to be a nightmare for the crew, and I hope a reoccurring nightmare for Sammy Callahan as he cries himself to sleep when he realizes that the unit has yet dominated another match that he tried to pull a rug out from under us on because we have been the dominating force in wrestling revolver and we will continue to be because this is the era of the unit and on that you can trust in fit and on that note thank you everybody for watching tonight definitely um thank you so much bill for hanging out with me and spending your evening talking with me about wrestling and nerdy stuff and food all of my favorite things um thank you so much for hanging out with me thank you everybody once again for watching be sure to follow phil everywhere at trust in phil he's still working on that only fans but we'll get there <laughs> and um be sure to tune in next week um i will have another interview ready i don't know who will at this time but i know that i'll have one i promise Thank you, everybody, and certainly thank you, Bill.